for 10 straight years, the, be the best day, the day I look forward to the most was the draft. I look forward to the draft more than my own birthday for 10 years. So this year, oh. I don't give a sh for once. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be entertaining. I know all the topics. I'm really excited for yeah, Cade, obviously. Yeah. I think Cade's going to be a monster what's up guys and welcome to the lace up podcast and we have a special guest for the first time you are our first guest ever actually brandon tell the people what's up yo what's up guys i'm honored to be the first guest thank you guys all for having me um i'm brandon aka Bawadis, for those who don't know youtuber huge phoenix suns fan and uh i'm excited to do this podcast so thank you guys yo what's going on guys uh get like hoop back again and i'm also here with my guy the flight mike mike check one two one two what's going on everybody um, all right flight wait, mike so, here die hard okay, uh phoenix suns fan for a month what what shut up shut up mike's the what? Mike is the biggest homer what? Lakers saying we we know but you know we got a great segment what actually going in because mike if you check out the back of brandon's room right now notice that from what i could see we've got purple and gold so what's the story All right. there? Yeah. Guys, guys, before anybody comes for me or before anybody goes crazy, <laughs> my brother, FaZe Rug, did a prank where he painted my room Los Angeles Lakers colors. Cause I'm a huge Suns fan. Lakers and Suns, they don't, they don't get along. So I came home one day from the gym and my room was painted yellow and purple. And guys, let me just tell you one thing. This was over a year ago. And the second I saw the colors on my wall, my brother was like, I'm so sorry. I promise tomorrow, tomorrow I'll get it repainted. It's been over a year. And now it's turned oh into, it, it's turned into like this petty thing where it's like, I don't want these Lakers colors. So I could change it myself, but my brother was the one who did the prank. So why would I have to paint it myself? You know what I mean? But he escaped. He moved to Los Angeles. I'm in San Diego. So he's He's gone. He's not going to be changing the colors of this room anytime soon. So now it's just like a little petty battle. Um, Do you have any plans on uh, on getting him back? Yeah, I'm going to paint his... I'm not just going to paint his room <laughs> orange and purple. I'm going to paint his whole house orange and purple. That's what I'm going to do to get him oh back. <laughs> yeah, that would be a banger video, honestly. Yeah, so we're definitely going to be talking a lot of sons in this podcast, guys. We're also going to go into the NBA draft, NBA trade rumors, everything like that. Uh, Brandon, so first off, right away, I want to ask you, so you were a Phoenix Suns fan, you know, die hard, right? For a long time at this point, what was it like going from a team that, you know, has been a really just bad franchise for the past, like since the Steve Nash era, basically, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic in there, but since that era, what has it got? What has it been like going from a horrible team to suddenly basically a dream season? You guys came up a little bit short, but how was that as a fan? Dude, it was so I've been watching since 2004, 2005, 2006. This was the best, greatest season I've ever watched, most fun I've had watching because when we were contending with Steve Nash and Amari Sotomayor and Sean Marion when I was younger, we were expected to be contenders. So you knew what you were, you know, you knew what you were going to see going into the season. This year, though, people were expecting, you know, seventh, eighth seed. I myself was expecting a four or five seed and I got a shit ton of hate. You're so biased, you're blah, blah, blah. So to end up making it to the finals, which is something I didn't even expect, it was, dude, it's, it's been amazing and just... 
it sucks that we fell short. I've honestly been like really, really upset, really down, really sad about it for the last week. Um, it, it's like you just go on about your day, you're having a good day, and then boom, just at random times, like every couple hours, you're just like, shit, we really lost in the final. It's, it's hard, but if you look at the season as a whole, it was a really fun season and just something that no nobody expected. Not even, I'll be honest, probably not even the Suns themselves expected to make the finals this year. So it was a lot of fun and just... I don't know. It sucks we came up a little bit short, but it was it was definitely my favorite season I've ever watched as a fan. Do you find yourself being more happy about this being the best season the Phoenix Suns have ever had or more sad that you guys came up a little short? Is there more gratitude or a little more sadness? I think if you asked me this in a couple weeks, my answer would be I would be more happy just how the season turned out and the fact that, you know, we have such a good team going forward. But right now, it's still so fresh, that finals loss, that I'm not really feeling anything other than just sadness and just anger and, like, just disbelief. Because I really thought when we went up 2-0 that it was a wrap. So, yeah, in the moment right now, it's just a lot, a lot of sadness and just some people might not understand. But you guys being big sports Sports people, you guys probably feel my pain. It's it's bad, bro. It's bad. Uh, you know, I had Derek Rose go down with a you know torn ACL. Yeah, so I feel like yeah. I feel like that's a little similar, at least. Yeah, yeah. I was in my college dorm for that, and you know we're watching. I'm well, I'm watching by myself. Uh, game one, Sixers comfortable lead. It's like about a twelve point lead with a few minutes left, and D Rose just goes down, and uh, oh god, yeah, that was haunting. But, you know, at least you guys made the finals. Like, no, nothing really good came of Derrick Rose's injury. For me, it would probably be the 2007-2008 Los Angeles Lakers season because we were, that was like the season where we thought, hey, you know, Kobe can't do it without Shaq. We somehow pull a trade off for Pau Gasol, giving off like a bunch of, giving up a bunch of role players. And we make it to the finals and face like the super team of that era, the big three Boston Celtics. And in game four, we like came out swinging. We took a 24 point lead over them. And then Paul Pierce, uh, you know, after semantics and some theatrics, the Celtics came back. We, we blew a 24 point lead and we lost the finals. So I guess I could kind Wait, of- Wait, are you relate. referring to the wheelchair game? Is yeah. that, that's, a, that's that game? Yeah. Like when Paul Pierce pooped himself? Whoa, 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 whoa. He had cramps or... He admitted... Uh, no, no, he... Himself. No, that's actually a very weird thing. He admitted it, and then he took it back. Paul Pierce has been kind of... I don't know, but I will... Mike, I will say the difference with my sadness and yours is that the Lakers have a couple of other rings that you can look back on and enjoy, whereas the Phoenix Suns are an empty hand right now. So that's the one difference. But I do understand. I understand how painful it is. But yeah, bro. Yeah, that was. Listen, you just touched upon, you know, some sensitive material here because we've got Mike <laughs> complaining about the most <laughs> trivial things while I'm a Bulls fan. All right. I get it. Michael Jordan. Like, all right. 19, you know, 98. I was six. I was five, actually, when the finals were. So I was five years old. So, you know, I, you know, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, but Mike, Mike is over here like, oh, LeBron sucks. And we're like, dude, you won a championship last season, man. 
And you're the Lakers. Dude, You'll get it's everyone. not my... So it's supposed to be my fault that your front office decided, hey, like, yeah, greatest player of all time, but we want to rebuild after the 1998 season, no matter what. Like, that's supposed to be my fault. That championship, by the way, makes a huge difference. Like, if Kobe would have won that game, maybe he's tied with Michael Jordan. Maybe the all-time conversation's a little skewed. We can't really get into that because that's a huge debate in of itself. But, no, that's an important one. To be fair to the Bulls, Celtics were... To be That's fair, cool. the Bulls should it, just yeah. be happy. The, the Bulls should just be happy they even got Derrick Rose. Like getting Derrick Rose was nothing short of a miracle. You guys were like a playoff team like a season or two ago at, uh, before y'all got him, and somehow what were y'all in the in the NBA? No, nah, it was like it 10? was literally like a one point seven percent chance. Yeah, it was definitely so, a miracle. It was definitely it was definitely a mir- miracle by the yeah, NBA draft yeah, lottery. Miracle. <laughs> Yeah, but, Zemba, I've seen so many the New York Knicks draft lottery was rigged videos. I haven't seen a single Chicago Bulls 2008 draft lotteries rigged video from you. Nah, I, I probably what? mentioned that. I did a video. I did a video like, is the NBA draft rigged in general? <laughs> I mentioned it. I probably disagreed um, with it. Okay, well, we're, I, we got, we got well, off topic. I wanted, we, got, we got off topic. All right. I wanted to ask uh, Brandon, uh, you said you became a Phoenix Suns fan during the 2004 season. Yeah. So what initially drew you to the Phoenix Suns? So uh, growing up, being born in San Diego, growing up in San Diego, there was no team over here, obviously. Um, Everybody was a Lakers fan. There were no Clipper fans. I still don't think there's a Clippers fan in this world. But um, (laughs) so I just kind of was like, dude, I love basketball, but there's no team. You know, my parents... Uh, they're from Iraq, so they weren't big into basketball. I had no family members that were like, oh, you know, follow my lead. We're, we're Laker fans or we're this and that. So I just kind of went with, started watching and who was the best team at the time. It was like, it was kind of like in the old days, we're like the Golden State Warriors of Steph, Clay, KD, were the sons with Steve Nash, Amari Sotomayor, Sean Marion, that whole era. So I was like, you know, I'm a little kid and I'm like, dude, this team is so fun to watch. You know, they they play so fast and they win all these games. So I'm going to be a Suns fan. And I just ever since then, I was I was nine years old. I was nine or ten. I was in fourth or fifth grade. And I remember I got a purple Steve Nash jersey like uh, it was from like a like, you know, the websites that ship from like Japan. They're like so fake and they're so heavily stitched. They're like 20 bucks. Yeah, I got myself one of those jerseys and just. I don't know, bro, ever since then. And then that got my parents and my whole family into basketball because of how passionate I was about it. But they became Laker fans because, like I said, in San Diego, everybody's a Lakers fan. So now we, we just have this huge family rivalry where everybody's a Lakers fan in my family, everyone. And I'm the only Suns guy. So this past playoff series was fun. So who would you say is your favorite Phoenix Sun of all time at this point? So it's definitely going to end up being Devin Booker. Um, I think Devin Booker's on track to become the best Phoenix Sun of all time. Um, but overall, a lot of people might think Steve Nash, but I was a huge Amari Sotomayor guy. I loved Amari, bro. Amari was just, I don't know. I love Sotomayor. But Steve Nash is a very, very, very close second. Very close. Yeah, Amari was unstoppable. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Devin Booker, you know, we've seen the videos, we've seen, you know, the your recent, you know, Twitter, Instagram posts, everything. You know, you have a relationship with Devin Booker. So um I'm just curious, how did that exactly start? 
And you know, like how close are you with him? Do you know, you, you still talk, everything like that. So the first time that I met Book, um, so when I first started my YouTube channel, like I said, I've been a Suns fan my whole life. So when I first started a YouTube channel, I was just repping Suns, Suns, Suns. And you know, at the time, 2015, the Suns were trash. They didn't really have any fans. Uh, so I stood out yeah. as like, dude, who is this guy? Like he has a decent amount of followers and he's repping the Suns. Like who is this guy? So Eric Bledsoe was actually the first person to reach out to me. Um, this is when Eric Bledsoe was on the team. Dra Dragic had just left. Eric Bledsoe was on the team and uh, he reached out to me like, oh, thanks for being a fan, whatever. Like appreciate it. And I'm like, dude, no way. Like I was Dude, he followed me and I was going crazy. I was freaking out. I was like, this can't be real. This is a dream, blah, blah, blah. So then they came to San Diego uh, during training camp. The season had just ended. They came to San Diego and Eric Bledsoe DMs me on Twitter and he goes, uh, yo, we're in San Diego. Uh, like, come link up. And I was like, wait, what? Like, dude, there's like, is this a fucking joke like there dude at that point i hadn't met any of the players i was just a huge fan just a huge phoenix suns fan um and then at by then though i skipped the whole part by then book had already been following me just because you know bledsoe was and just my uh like fandom for the team uh so then when bledsoe told me to come through uh i think book also hit me in the dms like oh here's the address and I was like, dude, this is crazy. So I went and I pulled up and it was a paintball spot. Um, and I went and I met up with the whole team. Dude, I was shaking. It was, it was this, like, I was, yeah, yeah. dude, I was sweating. I was shaking. So, uh, yeah, I met up with, a. it was Book was there. Bledsoe was there. Um, shoot, I don't even remember who else, bro. Because those were the main two. Those were my, like, my favorite players at the time. So I met up with them. And then ever since then, uh, I'm so close with Bledsoe, by the way. He's, dude, I'm the type of person where when someone does something for me, like, I'm not going to forget it. So he was he was the first person to, like, follow me and reach out to me. Just the other day, uh, he hit me up. He was streaming. Uh, so I told him, I'm like, bro, I got you. I shouted out his stream on my story. Like, bro, he's done. He did so much more for me than I could ever do for him. So Bledsoe will always be my guy. Um, but, yeah, so then I just started getting closer to Book. And then it turns out that Book um has a, a younger sister a little sister who loves mine and my brother's videos um so then you know i started uh you know i gave her a little shout out whatever uh, and then she started going crazy so then book after that he came to my house like a year later yeah and you know now now fast forward to uh 2021 and i've been to his house a bunch of times i've been to his uh birthday parties his birthday dinners uh, he's been to my house. Whenever he comes to San Diego, we link up. It's it's actually pretty crazy. Like now it's just normal. But before when it was first happening, I was like, bro, this is crazy. Like this is insane. And, uh, you know, whenever I go to Phoenix, it's it's not just book, but uh, I try to make time for his whole family because, like I said, his younger sister is a fan of mine. So I always try to meet up with her, his mom, his brother, his close friends. So it's uh, they're really good people. Um, I hate when Book gets uh, gets a lot of hate because of uh, you know he plays with Book is a he, he's a you you guys know what I mean on the court he's always like he likes to talk and stuff like that so he gets a oh I hate yeah. Book he's such a bad person blah 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 no trust me guys like I know his family his friends and everything he comes from they're all really really good people I've met a lot of people in the NBA world 
book comes from a lot of good people. So, uh, yeah, that's that relationship is, is crazy where it's where it started and then where it's at today. That's sick. Um, so I have a, a question. Um, all right. So, you know, you met Devin Booker and you met him, you know, kind of on his come up uh, as he was like, you know, rising to become an NBA all star. Was there anything about Devin Booker or anything about his work ethic or anything that you could tell, like set him apart where you knew he was going to, you know, work his ass off to become where he is today? So um, I think that's the reason why Book and his crew actually rocks with me is because I was rocking with D-Book the second he got drafted. I didn't wait till he scored 70 points and started going, oh, Book is so good, whatever. Or I didn't wait till he made the all-star team. Uh, well, the second the Suns drafted him and just, he was coming off the bench in Kentucky, at Kentucky. So a lot of people were maybe like, okay, what? Like bench player with a lottery pick, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, no, like you said, his work ethic is insane. It's it's crazy. And um, I just knew, I don't know what, what set it apart, whether it was his scoring ability or just, I think it was more mentality where I was like, dude, this dude is like this dude's gonna be special. So I was rocking with him from from the start. I'll tell you one thing. I was rocking with Book as a 13th pick more than I was with Dragon Bender at the fourth pick or Marquise Chris as an eighth pick. Yeah. Uh, so you knew something was there with Book. Um, you knew he was gonna be special. And and I've always told it, it gets brought up between like, you know, uh his boys, his camp, and myself. Like, yo, you've been rocking with Book since way before this whole rise to like you said rise to a superstar and i'm like yeah bro it's it's a suns guy i'm a suns fan so you know what i mean i i think it's um also really compassionate of you to treat eric bledsoe the way you're treating him in present day because you know the time that he reached out to you um if it was 2015 to 2016 or 2016 to 2017 around like devin booker's earlier years that's literally the man's like absolute prime. Like people tend to forget because he went to Milwaukee and then he went to New Orleans, but the dude was averaging like 21 points per game. Like he was crushing it during those times. Do you guys remember his nickname? Mini LeBron. That was mini LeBron yeah, at the time yeah. when he reached out. That was, that was, dude, that's why like I, I got a lot of respect for Bled. He, I remember the tweet, the first tweet that he put out was, uh, at Brawadis needs to be an, an NBA analyst, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, what? And and that was at the time that I was going to college uh, to be a, a, a journalism. I wanted to write like for the Suns. So when he put that tweet out, I was yeah. like, dude, no way. Like, and then that turned into obviously like, oh, come meet up with us. We're in San Diego. And it was like, yeah, bro. It was, I, I've met uh, Bledsoe and his whole family too. He has a couple of kids and so yeah, there it's crazy. But now I've I've now at this point I've linked up with like DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. It's it's actually really crazy where it's where it's gotten to, bro. It's it's ridiculous. No, I was just saying, like, like, like you have all their numbers, like like you're hitting them like on a personal level. Like y'all are like really cool like that. And just yeah. like Either that or just through uh, IG DMs. We, we all follow each other. IG DMs. Yeah, but I just give them, I'm not like, a, you know, a fanboy or yo guys, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll just, you know, every once in a while, because I'm a busy guy too. So every once in a while, I'll just hit them like, yo, you know, keep working, keep killing it, like good shit out there, blah, 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 uh, stuff like that. And then if I am out in Phoenix, I go there like two or three times a year, then I'll hit them and see, you know, if anyone wants to link, maybe make a YouTube video. Or if it doesn't come with a video, then, you know, it's not all about, it's not all about that all the time. So yeah, no, that's sick. 
Um, so with DeAndre Aiden, have you met him in person? Yeah. Because he's like a competitive psychopath, right? Like for lack of a better word, like I'm pretty sure I saw a video of him losing in 2K and yeah. like smashing a controller. Yeah, he's a he's a big time gamer. Big time gamer. Um yeah, DA is actually oh really God. he's he's really he's really cool. He's really nice. Uh, you you look at him on the court, you're like, dude, this dude's massive. You know, he's slamming the ball down. You're like, oh, this dude's so angry, blah, blah, blah. But you meet him and he's a chill-ass dude. It was actually just his birthday the other day. He just turned 23, which is crazy. He's still so young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. They're all just unlocked a memory for me. Um, I, I, like, was playing 2K. So, you know, um, with NBA 2K, they give uh, YouTubers, like, the YouTube logo and stuff. And I pulled, I was just playing and DeAndre Aiden's boy was like playing with him. And he was like, yo, come play with us. And I started playing with DeAndre Aiden and I swear like the first game went okay. But like, he was like, all right, give me the ball more. Like, like, you know, he was mad at me. I was like, all right, man. Like, all right, you know, like I'll get you the ball more. And like, I got it to him and he like missed a few shots. And then like, like I missed a few shots. I guess, I don't know. We lost the game. And I swear I just got booted. Like I played two games with him. Like, and I got booted. I was like, okay. Yeah, he's a very competitive gamer. Very competitive gamer. I, <laughs> I literally forgot that that happened until I even like this podcast just unlocked that memory for me. Oh, oh that's God. funny. That's funny. That's funny. All right. So um switching gears here a little. Go uh well, not too much, but all right. So with the Phoenix Suns. The future going forward, you know, you guys still have a bunch of young pieces, but I'm curious as to two questions, which first you can answer them um, separately. But first, what do you want to do with Chris Paul going forward? And then we'll talk about the Suns rest of their future. But what would you like to happen with Chris Paul right now? So to keep it short and simple, I'll get into more details after I answer it short and simple. You bring him back no matter what. You you have to bring him back. And he wants to be back. I see some rumors like, sorry, Flight Mike, but he's not going to the Lakers. Uh, they just <laughs> don't have the cap. Unless he because you know he's turned his player option is for $45 million. It's one thing to turn down 45 mil to take like 30 mil, but you can't go from 45 to like 10, 11 mil that the Lakers have to offer. Nine mil, I think it is. So um I don't think the Lake, I think Chris Paul wants to be back. And if I'm the Suns, you bring him back, no questions asked. I don't like, some people are basing, you know, the two or three bad games he had in the finals or the shoulder injury he had against the Lakers. And they're they're looking at that over the whole 80, 85 games that he played for us this season that took the Suns from, you know, where we were. Like, you can't take just two or three bad games in the finals and be like, oh, you know what? I don't want Chris Paul back. No, you got to bring him back. And if I was the Suns, you know, I obviously, as I got older, you learn, you never talk about another man's money. But for the sake of this podcast, if I was the Suns, I would give him, because he wants three years, I would give him a huge, like, 45 to $50 million year in year one. And then I would try to give the final two years, like a 12 to 15 mil. So he still gets his, you know, 80 to $90 million, but it doesn't cripple the Suns moving forward. You know what I mean? That's what I would do. Instead yeah. of giving like 30, 30, 30, I would just give him, the, I, I would hope he opts into the 45 mil and then extends for like two more years at like 12, 13 mil a piece. That way he still gets his money and then the Suns aren't 
crippled in the future. But I will say, if he wants to do it his way, he does have the leverage because the Suns can't let him walk. You can't. After a season like this, you don't let a guy like that walk. So you got to bring Chris Paul back. Are you concerned about the fact that he is uh, 36 years old at all? Like I've seen, I've noticed more and more that we're kind of in an era where players in their mid thirties, if they had a good season, you think of Al Horford a couple years back with the Sixers, Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry seem to be up next. Would you feel comfortable giving him that money? So based on the season that I watched this year, and then obviously the year with OKC last year, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Even when he got hurt against the Lakers, that was just a that was a freak. Like he didn't he ran into his own teammate, you know what I mean, and kind of just pinched a nerve. And then he ended up getting COVID uh, against the Clippers. So it wasn't he didn't really get hurt. He actually played 71 out of 72 games this year. So I'm not too worried about next year or maybe the year after. It's probably just that third year that he wants where it's kind of like at that point it's 39 and that's what I'm worried about but to be honest with you guys um if you're asking me about next season or maybe even the season after I'm not too worried especially because Chris Paul went from he changed his whole diet which I think that was the year he went to OKC which clearly we see the results ever since that change um and yeah he didn't really have any major injuries this season so I'm a little worried down the road, but in the near future, no. I think Chris Paul hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. If anything, I'm not saying he looked better than in his prime, but he looks pretty close to that aside from that final series that just, I guess you could pin it on Drew Holiday's amazing defense. Or I did read somewhere that Chris Paul had some torn ligaments in his wrist, but that wasn't official, so I don't know too much about that. Um, but yeah, I'm not too worried about giving him a lot of money in the near future. Yeah, especially because it's really hard because, at least in my opinion, I think Chris Paul is one of the final few of what seems to be a breed of point guard that is beginning to become extinct. Like when I was trying to think how could the Suns, and I'm going to ask you for your opinion on this after we talk about this, but when I was thinking of how could we improve the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul's role is beautiful. It's like he's this playmaking floor general. He doesn't necessarily need to score. He can manipulate defenses on a masterful level in a pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton. He has Devin Booker that could go out and get buckets. The light version of him, I guess the only other one that pops into my mind, and they're not even, you can't even compare the two, is uh, Ricky Rubio, I suppose. But other than that, I can't think of another I can't think of a pure playmaking point guard upgrade over Chris Paul because he's the best that you could get at that point. Yeah, and uh, the way the Suns are set up, aside from Booker, you know, you have guys like Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton. Those guys aren't the type of players where you're like, put the ball in their hands, go out and get me 20. It's not going to happen. Maybe Ayton has a potential to be that guy, but all the other guys, you know, they, they live – with the playmaking of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Devin Booker does playmake a lot. So that's why, you know, you could look at Chris Paul and be like, oh, if he leaves and the Suns get blank. I, you you could even throw in a guy like Damian Lillard. I'm not saying the Suns would get him, obviously, or, the, or anything like that. But I'm saying a play style of Damian Lillard, even though as a player, he's probably better than Chris Paul. But it's all about fit on your team. And, like, the type of player Chris Paul is with those hey, role hey. players, it's... 
it fits amazing with the Suns. There's no other player out there right now, not a Lowry, not a even not Alonzo Ball, that's going to come in and do everything Chris Paul did. So that's the thing. That's why you kind of have to bring him back, not just because of how good he is, but with losing Chris Paul, all the other role players, they lose a step too if he leaves. So um, the Suns, are, they're built perfectly with, I think, the perfect complementary pieces next to Paul and uh, Book. So I think, you know, you keep... You got to keep Chris Paul and, and just you got to add a backup big. I'll tell you that much. You need a backup big. So um, that brings me to like a problem that I see with the Phoenix Suns currently. You guys had this and I've said this in many podcasts. Like I think you guys checked off each and every box in terms of like what a team needs to win a championship. You have more, you have a beautiful blend of veteran experience um player uh, you have a beautiful blend of superstars and potential you have jay crowder and mikhail bridges remarkable two-way defenders um you have deandre ayton chris paul a fantastic pick and roll duo and then you have devin booker who could go off for 40 points in in back-to-back nba finals games but this year you guys made it to the nba finals I don't want to take anything away from you guys because, of course, every single year in the playoffs, things like this happen. But when you guys beat the Lakers, Anthony Davis was injured. When you guys beat the Nuggets, of course, Jamal Murray was injured. And when you guys played the Clippers, uh, Kawhi Leonard, ACL injury. Do you feel confident that this team can come back and make another run to the NBA Finals? I do because whenever I get hit with the injury card... What about the 72-game season where the Suns were one game out of having the best record in the whole entire NBA? A lot of people like to forget that. You know what I mean? They're taking a four, five, six-game series sample size and forgetting about the whole 72 games where the Suns showed that they were they were beating on teams left and right. They, they swept Milwaukee in the regular season. They swept Utah. They swept Dallas. Uh, I think they swept Portland, too. Um don't get me wrong. The injuries obviously played a part. I'm not saying, you know, oh, it didn't matter, whatever. But, and and what bothers me about the Nuggets with the Jamal Murray injury is that Jamal Murray got hurt, way, you know, way before. And the Nuggets were the three seed when he got hurt. And guess where the Nuggets ended up? Three seed. Nobody liked to bring up the Jamal Murray injury when the Nuggets were winning games in the regular season, right? And then they go out and beat Portland in the first round. And I didn't hear Jamal Murray's name once, not once. And then the second they come and get swept by the Suns, oh, well, Jamal Jamal Murray's hurt. Jamal Murray would have blah, blah, blah. That's what I don't like about that. And then with the Lakers series with Anthony Davis being hurt, and I know Anthony Davis here and Chris Paul's here, but Chris Paul was playing on... You know, he was averaging eight points a game that series, eight or nine points a game. Then you look at what he did against the Nuggets, and that's when you really were like, shit, Chris Paul was hurt against the Lakers. Devin Booker won us that series. So there was, you know, the Suns were hit with some injuries too with with Chris Paul's shoulder and then him getting COVID. Um, So I am confident. Will it be a tougher path than we have this season? Yeah, it will. Especially if Kawhi, well, we don't know what Kawhi's, we don't know what's up with that next year, but... Um, if the Clippers had Kawhi, obviously if the Lakers had AD, you know, it would have been tougher. Um, and that could happen next year. But I'm confident because of, like you said, the way the team is built and also the age of all of our players. Book being 24, Aiden just turned 23, uh, Cam is 25, Mikhail's 24. And this was their first playoff run. You got to expect improvement. You know what I mean? There's no way that this is the cap. 
Uh, we all saw when the Warriors made it their first time and they lost to, who was it? Denver in the first round, I think. Denver or... It was Denver, right? The first... Before the whole super team happened and just... They made it to a playoff. Yeah, it was Denver. It was Denver. Before Andre Gudala, right? Yeah. Before... Yeah. Yeah, and they, they looked good and you're like, okay, the Warriors look good, but they're still young. And then, you know, they kept building and... You know, so I am confident it will be tougher. It'll be a tougher path than we had this season. That's for sure. Especially if you look at, if you do make it to the finals, you're likely facing Brooklyn. So it will be tougher, but I do think we could get back there. I still think next season we're a, I'd say we're a two to four seed. You got to assume the Lakers will be one. And then the Clippers without Kawhi, I'm not putting them anywhere near that two or three spot. Um, Denver. You know they'll be they'll be up there at, at two three four and Utah will be up there at two three four. The Warriors, I think, unless they make a trade, I don't know. You know, may, if you guys want to talk about that later, but I'm not as high on the Warriors. As yeah, we will. we will. Okay, okay. So yeah, all right. That's Sun- good. That's good that you're not as high on them because I feel like we are high on them. But yeah, so um, well, one, you know, I'm not gonna pretend like I have an encyclopedic knowledge here. I just pulled it up on basketball reference. So the Warriors, I the what you guys are talking about was the 2013 Warriors where they beat the Nuggets in the first round and then they lost to the Spurs in six in the second round. And yeah, that was when everyone was like, oh, wow, like the Warriors really have something coming here. Um, I think I think a lot of it, like you'd make a great point with, you know, the Suns were the second seed and they were beating these teams all year round. And then when the injuries come into play, suddenly it's like, oh, injuries, injuries, injuries. Um, I think possibly part of the reason why, you know, people might downplay the Suns going to next year also has to do with the Miami Heat and their bubble season, because we saw the Miami Heat go on, you know, a kind of surprising run. Again, the Suns as a two seed shouldn't have been as surprising, but for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a while, it was definitely, you know, like, like you know, somewhat surprising run, especially for more, you know, normal to casual basketball fans. And so then they see a team like the Heat that completely, you know, fell apart the next season. And they're like, okay, well, maybe that happens to the Suns combined with Chris Paul's age. But for sure, championship experience, playoff experience, that plays such a huge role. You know, all these guys are suddenly have, they just made a playoff run. They just beat all of these teams. They're going to go into next season and be like, you know, we already just smacked you in the playoffs. We already made the NBA finals. And now it's like, you know, take the next step for sure. No, no. I was, I was just going to say the difference with the Suns and the Heat would be, I think, the age and uh, how everyone is still coming into their own. Uh, everyone is still I don't think any any of the Suns core is in their prime. I think Buck is the closest, but he's still only 24. Um, so I think that's a huge factor and you got to assume everybody's going to get better, especially with this playoff run and the, you can't, you can't teach finals experience, no matter, you can't pay to get finals experience. You can't hire a a coach that'll give you finals experience. That's something you got to go through. And that's something that this team went through at this age. And I think that'll help them a lot. Like I said, I still think they're a two, three, four seed next season for sure. And, uh, I think they can still make some noise. Definitely. So you're okay with the Suns' only major move pretty much being um, bringing back Chris Paul? You think that's enough for them to return to at least the four seed? Bring back Chris Paul and then sign a backup big because uh, we were playing Dario Saric at the five, backup five all year when he's he's really a four. And then he got hurt, so he's out all of next year. So, uh, But but you could easily get a, a JaVale, Dwight, Nerlens Noel. You could easily get 
one of those guys. Um, but we definitely need a backup big because Aiden can't play 45, 48, 45 minutes a game. You know what I mean? So, But I, I am okay with that. I think all the other pieces are there. You know, I don't want to – unless you can get a four – to replace Crowder, but I don't think Crowder is a problem at all. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I like the team how it's built. Just get a backup big and bring back Chris Paul. So, Campaign is a free agent next year. I mean, uh, this year. He's a free agent right now. Uh, what are your thoughts about potentially trying to bring Campaign back? Or do you think you guys are going to be in the market for another backup point guard? Because he was big for you guys throughout the playoffs. I mean... That's not the campaign that, you know, I dude, I like it just like I me and Brandon were on the phone right before this. And I was just like just ranting about how every player leaves the Bulls and suddenly becomes so much better. And like, I don't care. I don't know what that says about our franchise, but it's just the truth. Yeah. So uh, if I'm the Suns, like I was telling you guys, I try to bring back as much of this final team as you could, um, because continuity is also something you can't teach and that that helps a lot so uh but campaign i don't know if that finals appearance might have hurt his value a little bit but if you take that finals appearance out and you look at what he did over the regular season and the playoffs he's gonna get paid i'd assume eight nine ten mil a year um the good thing about the suns is they do have his bird rights so they could go over the cap but do they want to? You know what I mean? Because that's not that's not my money. It's not up to me. Does the owner want to pay? A backup point guard is... Uh, I think you could find like a DJ Augustine out there. You know, players like that. But I preferably... I would want Cameron Payne back as long as the price is right. You never know. Maybe he'll give a little bit of a discount because the Suns were the only team to take a chance on him when he, when he was out the league. And they brought him back in. So you never know if he has that type of, you know... Uh, loyalty if if you know what i mean but then again money's money and business is business so i don't know but if i'm the Suns, i would for sure try to bring him back because uh not only the whole you know continuity and just the chemistry of playing with each other but uh he's actually a really good backup point guard surprisingly you would never think you'd say that about campaign a year ago but he's a dude he's a really good backup point guard he gave us great minutes when chris paul was on the bench every single game this season it's really funny what a contract year does to a player, isn't it? Because if you look at campaign statistics, up until before he came to Phoenix, like he was a negative player, at least during his time in Chicago in VORP. And in like most and like just BPM, I see like his year his time in Chicago was negative three point eight. And then like you look at him. Uh, when he's at Phoenix, 1.5. And then this past year, 2.6. And like, he's like one of the more productive players that could be had in free agency. So it should be interesting to see what his value is going to be. Maybe it's the Chris Paul effect, possibly. I don't know. Um, well, I would say with the contract year thing, he campaigns like been on a contract year for the last like three seasons. Like he's consistently been on contracts where if he doesn't perform, he's not going to get paid. And so while I do agree with like a contract year could, you know, be a little bit like scary where it's like, oh, is this guy just, you know, really working his ass off right now to get that contract? Like, I think Cameron Payne made some actual serious improvements to his game because, again, like the last two or three years, he was technically on a contract year. You know, he was on the Bulls. He got waived by the Bulls. 
10-day contract with the Cavs, signed as a free agent with the Raptors. Like, he was all over the place. So, you know, I don't think the contract year thing really comes into play with that. I think, I think just, I mean, the man, that, that was one of the most surprising improvements I've ever seen probably as a basketball fan, Cameron Payne becoming a quality role player. So you talked about backup center. Um, I, you guys have somebody on the roster that I actually wanted the Pelicans to draft this past year, um, Jalen Smith. This guy. I, I was just going to say, if, if he if he develops, because as a Suns fan, we didn't see anything this season. And it wasn't too much his fault. He got drafted to a team that made yeah. the finals. So what? how much of a rookie are they going to actually use? You know what I mean? So we, honestly, we we can't speak too much on that because we didn't see enough he did have some injuries and he got COVID at some point um Ooh. yeah but he is a he's a very versatile big he can shoot the three he could defend he could obviously run the floor um yeah if, if he does develop uh because obviously the suns are going for the finals again next season so if he develops quickly enough to where he could play 18 16 to 18 minutes a game on a, on a championship contending team then of course you already have someone in house that you could just you don't even have to sign anybody. But assuming that you know he's so little young and this season I wish he got some more experience. But next season is pretty much like a rookie year if you go based on how many games he's played. I just don't know if you could give those minutes to a team trying to win the title. But I am I am kind of high on Jalen Smith because of what he could do. We just haven't seen enough. You know what I mean? So. And I think yeah. I think obviously if you if you end up signing a JaVale or Dwight and Jalen Smith ends up surprising, then you just move JaVale and Dwight either at the deadline or you just push them back to the third string. You know, they're they're old at this point anyway. So I don't think they yeah. you know, I don't think they, they would mind too yeah. much. So yeah, but you definitely can't go into next season only banking on Jalen Smith, because that was a huge a huge problem for us all season was back up big. And I'm kind of surprised we didn't make a deal at the deadline. Denver got JaVale for nothing and they didn't play him. They didn't play him. They got him for like a second yeah. round pick and they didn't play him. I didn't, I didn't understand that. And they're not playing my boy, Bull Bull. They're doing him dirty, man. Bull Bull. Bull Bull is Bo the Bo. king of YouTube titles. Or he was at one point. <laughs> it's like, Bull like, Bull, you just drop him in a YouTube title and it'd be like, all right, guaranteed three to 500,000 views. But I, I other, remember, than that, like, I, other than that, he hasn't really done much. Um, you know, it'd be cool to see Jalen Smith. Uh, I hope he plays in the summer league. Yeah, he should. I think that'd be great for his development. Um, I think my boy Patrick Williams, you know, with Bull's number four pick, future Kawhi Leonard. Uh, um, of the summer league, really of the summer league, yeah. Kawhi of the summer a... league, yeah. Dude, honestly, honestly, actually, the summer league, I put zero value in the summer league, especially with the Bulls. Ever since Denzel Valentine was summer league MVP, and has proceeded to be the worst player in M NBA league history the last. Well, year. that might be on the Bulls. Like he might have came in pretty nice, and, and the Bulls, and the Bulls might have ruined him, bro. Like I don't know, like, dude, like we're watching Cameron Payne. All right, we're watching Bobby Portis crush it on the Bucks. We watched Daniel Gaffer go to the Wizards immediately. You know, just is awesome. We watched Wendell Carter. Yeah, just go magic. Like, dude, the Bulls have a Jimmy Butler, Miami Heat. Like, it's just, it's all yeah, over. You know, honestly, you guys, like, I think you, players should try to get traded to the Bulls just for one year, and then they'll become an all-star. Yo, just imagine Zach Levine on another on another team, bro. Imagine. Dude, let's not the imagine Lakers. Zach Levine on another team. Like the Lakers. Dude, the Zach Levine, if Zach Levine is not 
signed to a contract extension like mid-season or like before the deadline oh my god i'm gonna be sweating all year god the jersey edits i don't want to deal with it oh my god i'm already coming up with these beautiful like russell westbrook zach levine laker jersey swaps, Dude, let's get you know no, like... if zach goes anywhere i hope he goes to dallas <laughs> And smacks whoa, your whoa, fuck, whoa. and smacks the Lakers for eight years. <laughs> All right, so um, well, speaking of uh, NBA rumors or anything, uh, you know, with Kawhi, with Dame. with all these guys, Ben Simmons out there right now, is there any NBA rumor that you're you know specifically drawn to or thinks gonna happen or anything like that? So. I personally don't think Dame gets traded. Like I, I would, I would bet my life savings that he doesn't get traded this summer. I think uh, he gives Portland one more year, and I think Portland's going to try to make a trade for just any. Like maybe they don't have the assets to get like a superstar, but I think they could put something together where they could get like a B level star just to try to help Dame. Do I think it's going to work? No, because Portland doesn't play any fucking defense whatsoever. So I don't think it'll work. And then I think next year Dame will get traded. But for all the rumors this year, I don't think Dame leaves this year. I think he gives them one more chance, one more year. Um, Brad Beal, Zach Levine. I also think Zach Levine starts the season on the Bulls. I don't know what happens midseason, but uh, I don't We're know. We're committed. We're commi- we don't even have our 2023 <laughs> first-round pick. Yeah. We are committed to winning. We are. We yeah, no. Especially after the uh, Vucevic trade, then I think and I think we'll be, on the score. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it's the best Sorry. idea, but oh, it God. is what it is. So uh, yeah. <laughs> there's that. Uh, uh, aside from that, like the Brad Beal, Ben Simmons. Uh, I don't know because I, I read a report. I don't know if you guys saw it just the other day that said like GMs expect a shit ton of trades this summer. I don't know if they're talking yeah. like. Maybe like like I don't know because maybe Brad Beal I guess especially if Westbrook gets traded then okay yeah um, and then Ben Simmons is just like dude you, what the hell is his value because earlier in the year it was like they were hesitant to even give him up for James Harden but then now after the playoff run it's like you would fucking trade him for like this water bottle right here so like what is his value they're, no they're trying. They are trying to get a huge package for him at right now. Uh, but the thing with Ben Simmons that's really concerning to me is, did you guys see the report that the Sixers cannot get in contact with him? That they literally cannot get in contact with Ben Simmons. Like, where is he? What's he doing? It, it's it's even, like, it's really funny that, Brandon, you mentioned what's Ben Simmons' value because we just got a report about in uh, less than an hour ago coming from Kevin O'Connor NBA that the Philadelphia 76ers wanted four first round draft picks and three pick swaps and a young player from the San Antonio Spurs in exchange for Ben Simmons. So yeah. Oh shit. Yo, you okay, know what? They're, they're trying though. That's, you know what? That's the thing. All right. They're not on like, there's no, there's no, like, they could, if they want to, they could, you know, just run it back. They have Ben Simmons locked into a contract. And if nothing works out, you know, they still had the Malcolm Brogdon trade that they declined as, like, a baseline. So now they're, like, out there and they're just throwing out, like, you know, flyers to everyone seeing, like, oh, okay, can we get, like, you know, a jackpot offer for Ben Simmons? Which I don't, 
you know, I don't hate on that at all. Like, you know, do, do you, it's kind of weird how open this is though. Is it not? Like, I feel like these, these kind of trade scenarios probably go on behind the scenes a ton, like, you know, but the Sixers like news is just all over the place. No, I, I mean, I guess go ahead, Mike. It's just so funny because whenever this type of stuff happens, it's pretty much a team coming out and openly saying, yeah, we don't mess with you anymore. Uh, <laughs> we want to move on from you. Um, I don't blame him for I, not answering. Yeah, it, it's kind of consistent with the ghosting stuff. It's And like yesterday, for example, there's this report where the Toronto Raptors, where the Sixers approached the Raptors and said, okay, give us Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, the fourth overall pick, and OG Anunoby for Ben Simmons. And of course the rapper said, go screw yourself. That's we don't nuts, want to do yeah. that. Yeah. So. All that end number four. I mean, dude, you know, I was talking about this with my friend the other day. Like none of this might've happened if the Sixers had just traded for Kyle Lowry at the deadline. Like if they were willing to give up Thibault and Maxi, like what maybe we see the Sixers in the NBA finals and maybe we see the Sixers win the NBA finals, but here we are now yeah no i think i think maybe a trade that could make sense for ben simmons if obviously if philly stops like trying to completely rip a team off is maybe like a ben simmons for cj mccollum and then you see if dame works out with with ben simmons and then you see if philly could win with more shooting something like that but obviously based on what philly's asking for then i'm guessing they would want way more than mccollum but I don't know. I don't know what you I don't know what his value is. So I personally don't see a lot of trades happening this summer. The Warriors probably make a move because they don't want to go into next season with Wiseman and two two more rookies. Um, but I just yeah, I could see the Warriors making a move for sure. But shit, it's like who's available that a team is really ready to let go of. I, I could see Brad Beal. Yeah. Um, maybe Siakam if the Raptors don't bring back Lowry. But then again, why did they not trade him at the deadline? You know what I mean? So I don't know what the Raptors are doing. I, I really don't. I don't know if they're going to try to bring him back or if they're letting him go and then maybe trading Siakam. I don't know. Honestly, <clears throat> I was just going to say, honestly, I, I'm not sure if the Raptors bring Lowry back. Because apparently Lowry's market is shaping up something filthy. Like this guy is probably going to get a max contract. I saw a report the other day that the Pelicans are planning to go all in on Kyle Lowry. And that's part of the reason they cleared all that cap with the uh, with the Jonas Valanciunas trade. Yeah, so it's like if the Pelicans are like pushing all their chips in on Lowry. And, and that's like the baseline. Like how nasty is this Kyle Lowry situation going to get? Yeah. Wait, wait, what do you think about that, Coop, as a Pelicans fan? What do you think about Lowry? Uh, also, as a Pelicans fan that saw the team mortgage its future a little bit for oh. Anthony Davis and that not work out too well. Well, um, yeah, this is well, what we did for AD was extreme. Honestly, the AD situation did work out. Uh, Boogie ruptured his Achilles. So. I'm not going to call. I did. I love that team. I did. Love I, that I, team. I thought they could have made noise, man. I don't know if they would have beat the Warriors, but they would have been competitive. Now with Kyle Lowry, apparently we want Kyle Lowry to have a Chris Paul impact. My um, Brandon might get mad at me for this one, but uh, if we're going all in on a player, let's let's go all in on Chris Paul, man. Bring him back home. 
Hey, I will say, I will say, oh Willie, Willie Green. Green. <laughs> hey, Willie Green. So you didn't work with the Suns. Let's try. <laughs> nah, man. Uh, Willie yeah, Green man. and Chris Paul are actually really, really close. Oh, yeah. It, they are. Yeah, that's fact. I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot. I don't know if they're as close as Coach Monty and Chris Paul, but Willie Green has uh, actually, uh, Willie Green and Chris Paul have a really good relationship. They do. They do. So I actually have a question for you because I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about Willie Green. I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about Willie Green, even though I kind of have in the past. What are your thoughts on Willie Green as a as a coach? He's good. He's good. And all the players loved him. And a lot of times, just from what I saw, obviously, but a lot of times Willie Green was the one, not, I don't want to say talking over Monty Williams, but I'd say, dude, Willie Green is actually kind of a big loss for the Suns. I, I saw Willie Green do just as much as Monty Williams, bro. He's he's actually a good coach. And like, for example, once the Pelicans posted, th these are just smaller things, but it, it could mean like much in the bigger picture. But uh, when Willie Green, the Pelicans posted, you know, new head coach, it got reposted by Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, like all the players loved him. All the players loved him. And uh, I follow a couple of Suns guys who aren't like NBA guys like Kevin O'Connor or obviously like Woj, but they're strictly just Suns guys. And uh, they were they were pretty upset to see Willie Green leave. But, you know, obviously your team made the finals, your elite assistant, you're most likely going to get a job offer from somewhere. But you're going to like him, bro. Trust me. So with Willie, was like he in charge of the offense or the defense? Or what do you think like his uh, his specialty really is as a head coach? He was a lot of defense. And that's what the Pelicans need. Defense. Yeah. Yeah, we need defense. Yeah, bad, bro. Yeah. So now nah, he'll be good for you guys, bro. Maybe you guys could get Chris Paul when he has one year left as a retirement back home. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Like 40 mil. Get that Steve <laughs> get, get that Steve Nash treatment, man. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's good. You just made Coop so happy. Yeah. He's so happy <laughs> he he right entertained now. it. So <laughs> I mean I mean I can't be mad at that. <laughs> He's a good coach, and cool. I, I love Zion. I love Zion, bro. He's, I mean, we don't need to explain it, but, dude, Zion is a fucking monster, monster. I think, yeah. dude, him and yeah. Valanciunas on the boards is going to be, like, actually crazy. Oh, no, seriously. Yeah, but they do need some so shooting, like though. Of, I, I, you I, like the fit of Val next to Zion? I, I don't like the fit unless they get a bunch of shooters. Oh. Unless they get a bunch of shooters, because Valanciunas is not stretching the floor. Ingram is... He'll stretch it, obviously, great in the mid-range. His three-point shooting is, you know, it's he he could get some respect stretching the floor, but they're gonna need they're gonna need that uh, one guard and two guard to be able to really shoot the three for sure. Cause, bro, if if you give Zion an open lane, oh my god, dude! They instead of Valanciunas, they should have tried to get Miles Turner if he really was available, someone who could stretch the floor and then play defense next to Zion, bro. It would be. I think that would be the best. But if they can get a, a good shooting one and two guard, then it shouldn't be a problem. So how do you feel about Lonzo Ball? Dude, he improved last year a lot. A lot he improved. I don't I don't think the Pelicans bring him back, especially like you were saying. I saw they were going after Lowry and um, freeing up all that space. I mean, I mean, okay, if Lowry does sign with somebody else, the fact that they did clear up all that space gives them the chance to match for Alonzo Ball because he's going to get paid. Um, it might be the Knicks. It might be the Bulls, Mike. Might be my, it might be my boy, dude. If you know what, if we get a, if we get Lonzo Ball, <laughs> I'm going all in immediately, just getting his jersey and just committing to 
a seven-time All-Star, future Hall of Famer, Alonzo Ball. Talk about down Chicago bad. Bulls. Chicago Bulls, huge run. All right. I mean, he's going to tap into his Steph Curry with a 40-inch vertical. Do the, do the Bulls even ability. have cap space? Do the, do the Bulls have cap? Yeah. we, we Oh, yeah, y'all we do? We, oh, yeah, we do. Yo, everybody has cap. What the heck? No, we're, we're, we're uh, going to make a serious offer to someone. How much? How much do you guys have? Um, I'm checking right now, but we have enough to offer Lonzo for sure. Um, and if we and if we need to, we could trade Sadaransky, um, which I was looking at. We might trade him anyway for a first round pick, which I would like. I always like you know trading potential guys like that for something in the first round. Also, just as a fan, I like to have a first round pick that I could be hopeful for in the summer league. And yeah, stuff. And, and and this is know, a great like, draft. This is a great yeah. draft. If Cameron Payne dips out, I would not mind Sadoransky on the Suns. That's a solid backup point. Yeah, a lot, a lot of guys. Really, like, yeah, he's he's a very good veteran. Um, also, so Thaddeus Young, which I think we'd be able to swing, you know, a late first round pick for. But I hope we don't give him up because he's really good. Like, we need him to win games. If we got a guy like Lonzo, then like yeah, you know he's gonna man the point guard spot. Yeah, you guys could probably trade Kobe for a pick too if it really came down to it. If you guys were trying to go all in on Zo, I don't know what we're doing with Kobe, bro. Again, like I said, we had uh, Brandon. We had this whole argument, and I was getting ripped because I was like, Kobe White is gonna be our sixth man when we play point guard because Zach and Kobe don't play well together. It's just that simple. Now maybe do they develop? Possibly. But if we sign a guy like Lonzo, then you're not signing Lonzo to sit on the bench. So then you're move you're moving Kobe to the sixth man. Yeah, Kobe White definitely had a more promising rookie year than he did um, second year. But uh, I definitely don't think you get rid of him because he's shown, especially his uh, his fucking shooting ability. He bro, he I, actually six man might be his best role. Just come off the bench like a microwave score, give you like. 16, 17, 18 points, kind of like a Lou Will. I could see that. I could yeah, see him I mean, coming off. Like he did, he got fifteen a game this year. Yeah. And the thing is, when Zach was out, he stepped in and he played really well. He averaged like over twenty around, I think. And um, you know, but him and Zach, they're just both those score first kind of guys, you know. So it just doesn't work. A guy like Lonzo, who's willing to, you know, he's not even willing to. Like he wants to get everyone involved. He's a he he's a playmaker at heart. Like that is the kind of guy that I think the Bulls would, you know, I think it would be very it'd be a great fit. Um other than that, random Chicago Bulls talk, you know. Thanks guys. We never talk to Chicago Bulls. Levine uh, <laughs> is a similar type of player to Devin Booker, and if you look at what the Suns did with obviously Chris Paul next to Devin Booker, I think that could kind of like foreshadow the Bulls should go after more of a playmaking point guard. As opposed to, you know, like a Kobe White starting at point. So if you want to look at an example. Yeah, like exactly. Like new title, actually. Lonzo Ball, the six foot five Chris Paul. New new title, uh, uh, Ricky Rubio to the Bulls. Hey, 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 I like Rubio. I like chill. chill. I, yeah, I love Ricky Rubio. He was so bad this year. Dude, I don't like what Minnesota. Bro, Minnesota was bringing him off the bench. Like, I. Yeah, Bro, no. Really bad year. You know, at one point, I hated the T-Wolves so much this season because of how they were using Rubio. I was like, dude, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. Honestly, like, if the Los Angeles Lakers were to trade for Ricky Rubio, I'd be ecstatic. I honestly was so disappointed. I'm yeah. A, 
I'm a, I'm like the only person on he this podcast. He makes seventeen point eight mil. But it's one more oh, year. Oh, right? wow. It's only one more year though, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, but the Lakers—that means the Lakers are going. That's their guy. Like you can't—they can't afford too many guys. Schroeder sign and trade, baby. <laughs> the Suns gave him that contract. It was a three-year. I don't know if you want Ricky Rubio at seventeen point eight. No, like, I, agree. I think you're going it, for it, Demar or someone. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. Um, which we should definitely discuss, like some obligatory Lakers talk eventually. But I was—I would go on record, and I'll keep saying this. Um, to say that I was so disappointed by the Minnesota Timberwolves season this year. Like, of course, I will give them leeway because I can't imagine the agonizing pain that Carl Anthony Towns, and I hope none of us ever will have to imagine the agonizing pain that Carl Anthony Towns had to go through this past year with losing his mom to COVID, getting COVID himself. Um, obviously, there was injuries, but I personally thought that that was a core that was going to succeed d'angelo russell the number one pick in the nba draft anthony edwards a volume scorer you have carl anthony towns you have ricky rubio as a playmaker josh akogi showed me some uh, something here and there very disappointed that they performed the way they did i'll, I'll yeah, always the, go on tangents about it. they sacrifice themselves man they sacrifice themselves so that the warriors can bring us more entertainment next year by trading their <laughs> pick away you know, that's yeah. that's what their season was about. They were just all about they're just all about the fans, man. Losing that pick is is just I can't imagine. I can Im- I can that. imagine. In this Actually, draft, in you know this draft. Imagine. Oh yeah, you can. I, I, I can literally imagine. That's tough. That's tough. That's it's tough. It's nuts. It's crazy because I don't think a lot of people realize how well the Golden State Warriors just like finessed that entire situation. D'Angelo Russell initially, when he was going to become a free agent, was rumored to go to the Timberwolves. And then the Golden State Warriors acquired him in a sign and trade when Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn. And then they gave D'Angelo Russell this gigantic contract and then traded him to where he was going to go anyways. Get back Wiggins and a lottery pick in return it was just beautiful uh it was just beautiful asset management by bob myers but For sure. i mean yeah they're next level would you guys would you guys say that andrew wiggins is currently a plus or a negative asset okay uh negative okay hold up hold up if you asked me this like eight months ago if you asked me this a year ago negative especially with that contract now, now I think he's he's still negative, but he's trending a little upwards. But a year ago, with that money and his play style, it was a it was worse than negative. If there's worse than that, um, but now I think he played. He did. He didn't have a bad season. He didn't have a bad season. So I think still because of the money he makes, it's still a negative asset. But it's a lot. It's it, he's a lot. It'll be a lot easier to convince a it's team. More manageable. Yeah, 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 he's more yeah, manageable now. Agree with what you just said, right? Yeah. Also, his defense—you know, his defense really improved in his one year in Golden State right now, and maybe that's you know credit to you know coaching as well as Draymond Green effect. I'm sure Draymond took him under his wing. Draymond seems to do that with a lot of young players. So the thing is, though, like, I mean, it's Andrew Wiggins, so I would be concerned wherever he ends up if we see a regression, like I wonder if he keeps going forward and continuing as a player because he is young. He's what, 25, 26 right now. So he's 26 right now. So I wonder if he continues to get better or if it's like, oh, you just traded for Andrew Wiggins and he's back to Minnesota Timberwolves, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I really want to see what the uh, what the Warriors do with their picks. I wonder if they 
use any of those picks to try to offload Andrew Wiggins to become um, competitive in free agency. Uh, like the, the Warriors have a lot of versatility with what they're able to do right now. And again, I am going to reiterate this until like the death of me, bro. This draft is so deep. Like there's a legit shot that the Golden State Warriors can get a star at seven or 14 or package those picks and move up and get like just another impact player, even though I don't think they do it. Who I know you love book night, Coop. So that would be a potential uh, guy for the Warriors to grab at seven. If, you know, he's moved up the draft boards, I've been seeing. So there's another guy that yeah. I think you would absolutely love. His name is uh, Chris Duarte, 6'6 guy, does everything on the basketball floor. Um, he scores the basketball. He plays with the swagger and confidence. He's a lockdown defender. He's normally the, the person that's playing the hardest on the floor. Yeah, he, he's a guy that could be available with uh, either of those Warriors picks. Uh, again, just so oh, much yeah, talent. Twenty three. So, yeah. There's, there's no way. There's just no way the Warriors draft players with these picks tomorrow. Like, how could they? It just doesn't fit with their timeline. They might yeah. be fourteen. I'm like, from what I've been seeing, they're. I think they're trying to package Wiseman, Wiggins, and seven. But if they can't, yeah. I mean, give up fourteen. I'm not going to lie. I, I think a lot of um, NBA teams know that this is like that draft that you want to be in. And I think that's why the Pelicans were able to offload Bledsoe and Steven Adams in one deal and get Val back, even though they uh, they moved down. I just think that pick was that valuable to the Memphis Grizzlies because you move up seven spots in this draft. Again, that could be the difference between like a star and uh, a glorified like role player or something, you know? Yeah, well, with that being the case, then, you know, you have the perfect opportunity if you're a team, if you're the Wizards, if you're the Raptors, if you're the Blazers, if you're any of these teams, um, you have the perfect opportunity to, you know, jumpstart a rebuild with James Wiseman, 7th and 14th overall picks right here. Like, looking at the 7th pick, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, we've got Book Knight, and then we've got a guy like Jonathan Kuminga, who... He was a projected top five pick going into last year, you know, after um, and then he played in the G League and, you know, he had some kind of some concerns. People are like mostly with his decision making and his basketball IQ. But that's a guy that possibly at seven or eight develops. You know, he's a boomer bust kind of guy, I think. I mean, maybe he has a normal role player career. But yeah, you know, Kuminga at if you get him at seven or eight. You know, that's a great pick. And so I'm I'm interested to see with the draft tomorrow, like are is a team just going to take these Warriors picks and James Wiseman, who I just wish I wish the Warriors took LaMelo, man, because yeah. that would have just that would have just why, gave them like they could have kept LaMelo if they wanted to or if they wanted to, you know, trade for a literal star. It would be, be so much easier. Brandon, I know you're a Suns fan, so you may not be as tapped in um, on the draft. But are you tapped in on the draft? Like, do you know um, any of like the top prospects? Do you have any thoughts? For 10 years, for 10 straight years, <laughs> the, be the best day, the day I look forward to the most was the draft. I look forward to the draft more than my own birthday for 10 years. So this year, oh. I don't give a shit for one. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still gonna be watching and it's gonna be entertaining i know all the talk but i'm really excited for yeah, cade obviously yeah. i think cade's gonna be a 
monster. I know all the top guys, Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Kuminga, like you guys were saying, but for once, I'm not like, dude, I used to like stay up day and night for weeks and weeks and weeks researching all these prospects. The Suns got to do this. The Suns got to do that. Like, let's say the Suns had like the fourth pick. I'd be dying at the two and three pick. Please don't take this guy. Please don't take this guy. So tomorrow, yeah. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to kick my feet up, and I'm just going to watch it as a as a normal fan, just hoping to see some trades and shit like that. I haven't really looked at who the Suns could get at 29. Um, to be honest, I don't think it, the 29 pick is going to play much for us next season anyway. So I'm just, I'll am just i look forward to watching him in the summer league. Um, but, yeah, bro, I've for once, I haven't dedicated – years of stress off my life looking forward to the draft i i actually have grown to like hate the fucking draft <laughs> like I, I like it i like like looking at the prospects and shit but like like I, the draft pisses me off at this point like i tell myself we're not going to be back here and then like mid-season it's like okay who's the top prospects for this for this year like it does suck because it sucks because also you just have to trust your front office that, like to know what they're doing and it's like there's like a chance that they just don't like there's a chance that they get the worst player like there's a legit chance bro and honestly like i'm not going to lie i kind of wish we didn't get zion williamson as dumb as that sounds because david griffin doesn't deserve him he's a bad vp like zion williamson is like a band-aid over like a massive leak that is david griffin like i fuck ah, he's so lucky and he got all those picks with the Cavs, too. I don't know if you remember um, when the Cavs got Bennett and uh, they picked first a few times. Like, David Griffin was, like, the GM. Yeah, so, no, I just, we just made a video over here on Anthony Bennett and, uh, like. Did, did you get David was, Griffin's quote? He literally was like, he was like, Anthony, no, it's a funny quote. It's like, Anthony Bennett rolled out of bed every single day of his life bigger and better than everyone. And then as soon as things got hard, he quit. <laughs> what a bitch i don't like that guy bro i don't like david griffin at all but yeah oh my god anthony bennett yo anthony bennett's crazy how bad he's like i like because uh you know i dug deep into the worst number one picks of all time and so anthony bennett's undoubtedly the worst number one pick other wow. than two potential guys and one is 1972 was larue martin who also played in four seasons only but played more games, averaged like 0.4 more points, shot a little better from the field, so and a little better. But the but what the worst guy is was in the 1952 draft. Mark Workman, he played two seasons in the league. Okay, but for some reason in the 1952 draft, like out of the top 10 picks, four of the top 10 picks played one season, and three of them played zero seasons in the nba Damn. i don't know what happened in the 1952 draft i kind of want to like look more into it because for some reason in the 1952 draft no one played the number yeah. one pick plays two seasons the number two pick played like five and then the number three like five seven and nine picks played one season and like four six and eight played zero yeah so I used to be one of those guys that was like um, the the kind of tooted their own horn a lot with the draft and you know making the right picks and be you know choosing what prospects are going to be good. But you know as yeah. I got older, like th the draft is just a crapshoot. Like you don't know, you can't project work. Well, to an extent, you can project work ethic and uh, 
hard to and that hard stuff. to project yeah. work ethic as soon as someone starts getting paid. Yeah, and is yeah, in yeah. the in, in the lifestyle. You know, I like the shirt change, Mike. So, all right. So, my question um, with with all of these sons uh, tragedies that you've endured, Alex Len, Marquise Chris. You know these kind of guys who was the one guy that you believed in the most that let you down was there one guy that you like were like this guy's it and then it just didn't work out yeah so okay the alex len pick that draft was just so like like for example anthony bennett getting drafted number one no one even knew that was going to happen till like the day of if that if that so that draft no until it happened until it happened yeah anthony bennett was quoted as saying I'm just as surprised as everyone else. Right? And then there was like Cody <laughs> Zeller. Cody Zeller, uh, your boy Mike, Otto Porter in that top five. There was that. So that draft was whatever. I didn't care too much. Um, Josh Jackson, I was super high on because at that point we had already drafted Book. So it was like, dude, who better to put next to Book than a Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler type of guy? You know what I mean? Like a insane motor, great defender and whatever so he i was high on him but the 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 one guy that i was <laughs> the one guy that i just hate myself over is dragon bender bro it was right after porzingis was drafted so i was oh. like dude hell yeah hell yeah bro <laughs> and that just and then and then we got marquis chris in that same draft two top eight pick i don't i don't think any franchise in the history of the league has ever missed on two top eight picks that bad. With for Steph, they didn't take Steph. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When they, they took, who was it? Uh, did they take? Uh, they took Rubio and Johnny, Johnny Flynn. And then they took Ty Lawson they, at 23 or something like that. And traded him. They took four point guards in the first round, and then they traded like two of them. I remember. To be fair, and, like, Johnny Flynn was supposed that. to be a dog. Johnny Johnny Flynn, yo, he Johnny Flynn next. gets yeah. Like honestly, he just got he got a career ending injury that no one ever talks about. But yeah, yeah sorry. Awesome All right, so Dra so Dragon Bender, yeah. Yeah, Dragon Bender, I was I was so high on, and it just like. Dude, that was bad, and then Chris was bad, and Josh Jackson was bad, and dude, that was, I mean, okay, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I will say one thing, so when the Suns got the number four pick in that uh, Longo Ball, Markel Folds, Josh Jackson draft, I was like, shit, Josh Jackson's going to go three, I was like, damn it, like, what? we're going to end up with Tatum, and this is where, you know, I'm not afraid to, you know, take some heat myself, um, I was like, dude, we already have TJ Warren. Why do we need Tatum? You know what I mean? Coming out of college, Tatum was, he was a scorer. And what else? He was not a good defender. He, you know what I mean? So I was like, no, no, no. And then when the reports came out that uh, the Suns did some shady shit, so I guess they deserve what they got with Josh Jackson. But they, they had Josh Jackson schedule a workout with Boston and then, when uh, Danny Ainge was in midair on his flight to go watch Josh Jackson work out, the Suns had Josh Jackson cancel that workout just to leave a sour taste in Boston's mouth and be like, I don't want to play for you guys, which led to them taking Tatum and Josh Jackson falling, thank, thankfully, to the Suns. Oh and at that point, I was, like, yes. 
I was like, yes, there's a dra there's a video on my YouTube channel of me going crazy that the Suns got Jackson at four. And I was like, I, I, when the Celtics were on the clock at three, I was like, please take Tatum, please take Tatum, please take Tatum. So you guys can roast me in the comment section, whatever you guys want to nah, do with that. We've but all been there. We have all been there. That's funny. That might be yeah. the worst one, though, because Josh Jackson, like you just said, is, is sandwiched between Jason Tatum and De'Aaron Fox. Like, if you look back at the 2016 draft, like, after Bender was Chris Dunn and then, you know, Buddy and, yeah, Buddy and Jamal. But then after Marquise Chris, is there <sighs> Jake Podal, like, Thon Maker, and then Sabonis. <laughs> yeah. He traded him. Oh, God. It's yeah, funny because yeah. I remember... I remember after those picks were made in those consecutive years, I saw like a, at least on Twitter, I saw a little bit of a clamoring by Suns fans like, yo, we need a freaking point guard, you know, like, and, and De'Aaron Fox would have been just so electric to watch with uh, Devin Booker. But at the same time, like, I remember the 2017 NBA draft being one of the most, I think probably the most overhyped NBA draft of the past decade. You know, like Markel Fultz was supposed to be this like Cade Cunningham at the point guard. Yeah, like he could do anything. He could play off the ball. He could catch and shoot. He could do anything you want. He has tremendous defensive potential. Lonzo Ball like was... Lonzo Ball. They were like hype. I don't think I've seen a Yeah, Jason Kidd. Lonzo Ball was Jason Kidd. Yeah, he was like Jason Kidd with the hype of LeBron James, apparently. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like Magic didn't do any favors by being like, you know, like, oh don't my break God, all my right? records, man. Yeah. God. Dude, it was really disappointing because I remember like I think earlier, one of our very first podcast episodes, there was this report that came out where like the Lakers, apparently a Lakers insider came out and said that the only reason the Lakers picked Lonzo Ball was because it made a good story. And I'm like, what? Like, that's how we're making decisions at that point? It was, yeah, I, I understand the yeah, frustration Fox with the draft. Yeah. Sure. cooked him in their last game they played in college, too. In college? Made it a little worse. Lonzo was ducking him in the summer league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the NBA. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. Fox has had yeah. his number, honestly. And, and, tell, and tell the Chicago, Chicago Bulls. And tell the Bulls, boom, uh, the resurgence of Lonzo. delusional. Yeah, but that, that delusional draft, Chicago that draft, Bulls you know, Lowry, fans. Dude, there was, like, look at those guys. Looking down at even, you know, Jonathan Isaac got so much hype. Like, it was like, oh, god, this guy's a 6'10". Well, he, he's been smaller. really hurt. He's, he's been, been really hurt, hurt. but yeah, I, I still believe in him. Player. But Dennis Smith Jr., do you remember Dennis Smith Jr. was being hyped as this potential Russell Westbrook steal? And Malik Monk was like was supposed to be just a complete bucket. I think he, he actually he's, had he's a pretty in the good wrong season situation. this year. Yeah, yeah, he's in a bad situation. I'm curious what Malik Monk does with the rest of his career. But for sure, like they have underperformed that entire draft class, is underperformed going into right now. We'll see. We'll see. I think uh, that 2018 draft could go down as one of the best in history, bro. The, the Luca Ayton, uh, MPJ, Gilgis Alexander, Jaron Jackson Jr. Dude, that draft is that draft is good. Trey Young, that Michael draft Porter. is Michael Porter. Yeah, bro, that draft is Mikael Bridges too. That draft is really good. It, that's a really really good draft. 
Yeah, it's uh, so going into that draft, I wanted to ask you in 2018, were you like, I want DeAndre Ayton, I want DeAndre Ayton, I want him, or were you more gearing towards Luca or Trey? So, I uh, it wasn't Trey once the Suns got the number one pick. I was getting so much heat from Suns fans because obviously DA is an Arizona guy. Um, he went to college there. So everybody, once we got the number one, was like, DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton. I was more so like, yeah, I love, and thank God I have tweets up of this so that no one thinks I'm lying. But I was like, yeah, DA is, is good too. And Luca is good too. I, I'm fine with either. Um, especially with, uh, I think in 2018, the league was going more positionless. So all the Suns fans, Arizona's, aside from like the Arizona State ASU campus, it is an older crowd there. So it's like, we need a center. We need a seven foot rim protector. But I was like, I don't know. You know, Luka at 6'8", you don't need a traditional point. You could play Luka and Book, you know what I mean? So I was I was more so like whoever we took, I was going to be happy. Don't get me started. Listen, guys, before DeAndre Ayton took this leap this season, I couldn't go to sleep. Dude, I would text my boys at like 2 a.m. Like, guys, Luca and Booker. Luca and D.J. Yeah. No, no, I was more split. I was just happy we got the number one pick for the first time in franchise history, which is crazy for how bad we've been. And we never ended up getting the number one pick. It was crazy. So once we got the number one pick, I was like, you know what, dude? This draft is good. I'm not going to argue over prospects. If we take Luca. I'd be ecstatic if we took eight and I'd be ecstatic. I, I I didn't care, but I knew in the back of my head, just business-wise, there was no way the Suns were going to pass on eight. And no, especially it being just a year or two after we drafted Bender and he he was a bust. There was no way just for the pure fact of business and ticket sales that we were going to pass on eight. And I, the Kings are, dude, the yeah. Kings are stupid. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so, oh my God. That's, that's top two year all year all year you i read something where vladi had beef with luca's dad or something something like that and i mean there's a reason vladi doesn't have a job there's a reason the sun's gm doesn't have a job anymore either they both pass on luca and that's the thing that will get you fired as an nba gm dude the sun's the sun's gm at the time ryan mcdonough he didn't go overseas one time to watch luca play not once Oh not once and didn't your coach wasn't your coach like the coach of the slovenian uh, national team too yeah yeah that's what was so confusing igor when we, when we hired igor kokoskov that that's uh the coach of the slovenian team he won he won with uh luca so when we signed him um i was like oh shit, the suns are really taking luca i started watching all these luca highlights and stuff but then i started seeing some reports from the owner saying you know, the, the in, in shorter terms, the coach has no say in who we draft. So I was like, I don't know. Is this just a big smoke screen? And then um, once once we fired our coach and it came out where he really obviously wanted Luca, he was saying how he's he was trying to tell the front office that he's a, a player that he's never seen before. We've never seen anything like this before, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say this in front of everybody. And this will be on the Internet for the rest of my life. So I'm really confident saying it. If Luca stays healthy for his career, you're talking MJ, LeBron, and Luka Doncic. That's I'm gonna just leave it out there. If he stays healthy, that's how good I think Luca is gonna be, and he already is. 
obviously there needs to be a little bit of change in play style a little bit but did you guys see the first olympic game you played oh my goodness so, yes. oh, yeah dude that's yes. where i was just yes. like i actually asked the question i was like is he just like the chosen one like like that's what is like he has a different type of like uh, like a different like energy like he's not a kid bro, bro. he's not his age you, you, he's 22 you know first team all nba like insane you, you know it's crazy like well for one you just don't normally see stuff like that happen in olympic basketball but also it's funny to me that he it seems like he enjoys playing for the, his national team so much more than he enjoys playing for the dallas mavericks which is understandable but like his trust for the national team is also so much higher than his trust in like porzingis and the rest of the dallas mavericks you blame him <laughs> Dude, no, honestly, is like, such a disappointment, man. Like, I'm just, like, ah, God. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy because, well, first I'll praise Luca, and then I'll get to Porzingis. Um, the thing about Luca is, I already kind of get this LeBron James esque aura from him, where you kind of, in the beginning of his career, LeBron didn't really get, like his first stint with the Cavs. He didn't really show that, hey, I'm the chosen one. You know, I'm going to be the face of the NBA until 2010. You know, in 2010, he's like, love me or hate me. You know, I'm going to go to the Miami Heat. It took him a year to really embrace the villainous role, and then wait, from wait, that wait, point wait, on, on, after he won a championship, he took back the villainous role, though. Really? No. He was, no. What do you he mean? 100% when? did. He literally sat down with when? I think Rachel Nichols and basically apologized for everything because it didn't work. I I mean, yeah. What what I'm trying to say is like eventually LeBron realized he was the face of the league and like he was pretty much the guy. He was bulletproof. The NBA was going to go as far as he would take them. I'm already getting that type of aura and that type of vibe from Luka Doncic based off of how he's handling his situation with the Mavericks like yo I'm about to go into restrictive free agency and I'm about to sign a super max contract that's never happened before you know I don't that's never happened before um and you just could the one it's his demeanor and two it's the fact that he's going to be the first international superstar that will be the face of the NBA which is pretty much going to open up the NBA um, just more globally. And then finally, I think my favorite part about him is his game isn't dependent upon athleticism at all. It's dependent upon, yeah, it's all finesse. So the NBA needs Luca. It's going to go as far as he's going to take them. Yeah. yeah. Um, guys like me of, hope. Yeah. <laughs> guys like you. In terms yeah, guys like you off. who's like, all right, all right. You know, yeah. Coming he's off of an crusher Achilles, for the bro. Lakers in four years. Um, nah, he's not but... gonna go to LA. <laughs> Luca's the type of guy in my head where he's like, you know, a couple of teams passed on me when I should have went number one, and Dallas took a chance, not just took a chance, but traded for me. I think he's he could be the type that stays with Dallas his whole career. That's what I think. He I could be that type of guy. As long as they don't put guys like fucking Josh Richardson and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Porzingis around him, then he will stay. That yeah. Seth Curry trade Here's was so the bad. Weird... Yeah, really bad. That was dumb. They've done a terrible job building a team around Luka. Here's the weird thing about Porzingis, though. And this is the one part that I just don't understand. If you look at Porzingis' statistics across the board, everything except maybe his DBPM, his defense, is up. 
since he went to the Dallas Mavericks. He's technically, analytically, and statistically a better player on the Dallas Mavericks than he ever was for the New York Knicks. Like everything from PER to true shooting percentage to OBPM. His OBPM is almost double, you know, from his best season with the New York Knicks. Well, almost. Uh, 2.9, his best season with the Knicks was a 1.9. What I'm trying to say is his situation's very confusing because he's not a bad player. I just don't think he is good enough to just carry the Mavericks to a championship with just Luka. I think there needs to be another guy. You know, he needs <sighs> to stop pouting, bro. He just pouts on the court. I, I, he, when, whenever he doesn't get the ball enough, he just like he, you could tell well, like, he's one of those I, guys that yeah. Uh, to be fair, I understand the frustration playing basketball. You know, if I go to LA Fitness and. Uh, you know, guys not getting me the ball, I'm wide open. Yeah, and, and and I'm a good player. Like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna get a little frustrated too, you know, especially when I know I have that type of talent. So, Pouton's not the way to go about it, but, you know, I understand. He did say something just uh, after they got knocked out of the playoffs where I forgot what the exact quote was. I don't have it in front of me, obviously, but he said something like it was hard, you know, when they Dallas had me playing a role that I'm not used yeah. to playing in. It was along those lines but i i don't know i i don't like like mike what you were saying about the stats and the analytics uh all being higher and him looking like a better player through the stats i think at that point that's when you just shut the computer down and you use the eye test and you're like dude this dude is what the hell happened to this dude because on the knicks he was one of the more promising players in the whole league um but it is it is i, I play a lot of basketball and Playing with Luca, that's why I mentioned he probably needs to change his play style a little bit because yeah. I don't know if there are a lot of stars right now who would want to play with Luca. Um, dude, have you guys ever seen Luca? This is a quick question. Have you guys ever seen Luca bought up at the three point line? Someone passes him the ball and he just shoots it like a catch and no. shoot. I've never seen. I've never yeah. no right. No, nah, I can't like, think of a he, moment where I've seen him just you know spot catch shoot. No, I can't. I can't. I can't recall that one does not happen so i think and i think he needs to change his play style not just to get people to want to play with him but dude what happens to luca every fourth quarter he's burnt out he's burnt out he's do yeah. doing so much the first quarters where the fourth quarter comes where they need him most and he at that point he's taking 25 shot attempts he has like 12 13 assists and he's just burnt out that's why i think with luca every first half he has like 18 7 and 7 and you do this guy's gonna go for 40 20 and 20 but then the second half, it kind of fades out because he's so tired from everything he's doing. Yeah, that's a great call. We saw that happen versus the Clippers, where it looked like they were going to upset the Clippers for for a moment. The guys on this podcast are so sure the Clippers were getting bounced first round. You know, I'm not I'm not one to point fingers or whatever. But uh, also, like you said, who if you're a that star, was after they were would down you wanna, two zero. Would you want to play with Luke? Hey, man. Hey, I I just said what I said. I, you know, I'm not blaming nobody if the shoe fits. Ameri you know what? I'll say. <laughs> I'll, I'll say. I also was sure, but I'll also say I was on America's side. It was me and America thought the Clippers were getting bounced. <laughs> All right, yeah. so me and the United wow. States of America, we were both. We, we were kind both of. Wrong. <laughs> I've never heard this before. <laughs> no, dude, that was probably, wow. That was one of the greatest rationalizations. <laughs> on America. All right, continue, Coop. But yeah, who would want, like, you're a star. Do you want to play with Luca? Who's the perfect fit? Who's the ideal fit for Luca? For me, I see him with, like, like rim runners. Like, you know, guys that just get rebounds, like Steven Adams or athletes, like, you know? 
Yeah, like, that, you know. I'm going to say, for now, with his play style, the only people that could play with him is, is like, a Capella, Clint Capella, DeAndre yeah, Ayton. No, 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 that, yeah, that would be perfect. And, like, spot-up shooters. Like, dude, him on the Hawks would be perfect. Imagine they had just kept him. Oh, guys, this is, this is the crazy thing. So, the Suns, um, in that 2018 draft, their two options were um, – uh, draft Aiton and sign Trevor Ariza with their free agency money, or sign Luca and draft uh, draft Luca and sign Capella with their money. And they went the Aiton Ariza route because we had like 16, 17 million dollars. What did Capella get? Right around that, right? And Ariza, we gave oh, 15. Man. So we went that route as opposed to Luca, Book, Mikhail Bridges. And Clint Capella, because we would have still had Bridges. That was later on in the draft. That's a dynasty. That, that's yeah, a that's a dynasty. dynasty. That's, a, that's a super. Bro. That's the logo right oh there. God. Like, damn, bro. Nobody's oh, beating that. Like, God. But, hey, I will say this. I will say this. And I said this when the Suns were in the finals. If the Phoenix Suns won won a ring uh, last week with DeAndre Ayton, then I could care. I could care less if Luca wins twenty championships. The Suns made the right pick. That's what it's all about. If they were if they were to win a ring with Aiden this year, nothing else would have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. But now we're back to square one. But Aiden is Aiden's definitely he'll never be on Luca's level, but he's definitely closing the gap a lot more than he was the first two years. For sure, sure. It's like the yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon Michael Jordan situation. You know, the Rockets took Hakeem first, but they still got two rings. Yeah, my thing with Aiden. My thing with Aiden is I just hope that, you know, I think um, this part of his development was great. Uh, that being said, I hope that the Suns, if they retain Chris Paul, they allow Aiden to do a little more during the regular season to, you know, maybe make life a little a little easier for Chris Paul and Booker in the playoffs. And we know Aiden has that type of talent. We know he can put up numbers um, if he if he has a, a little more volume. And I, I don't want to see him become one of those players that, just kind of stops evolving yeah so here i like what you just said because like i haven't i haven't been on a sports podcast or anything but between me myself and i i was saying so the suns need to bring back chris paul obviously but he can't be your second scorer he can't be your second scoring option i would love to bring chris paul back and then am becomes that second guy but i have another theory in my head that Cam Johnson becomes that second guy next year. I think we start Cam Johnson over Crowder and Cam Johnson becomes a 16, 17 point per game scorer because he could. He could. He just doesn't shoot the ball. He comes off the bench, plays 15 to 20 minutes and doesn't get too many shots. But his jumper is, is it the sweetest jumper we've seen since Clay, bro? His jump shot is so, it's so pure. And I think, so like you said, it could be Aiden next season with the volume, but I'm thinking it could also be Cameron Johnson. You know what I want from Aiden is, dude, his his rim protection has gotten so, so much better. And his first couple of years, he would catch the ball and not know what to do, try to lay it up, lose the ball. He would always come down with the ball before going up. Now I think he's learned, you know, you're, you're, you're a rim runner, just slam the ball down, get the ball. So I think if he keeps going at it with you know, rim protection and then finishing off the pick and roll. Anything else he adds is just extra. He started developing a three-point shot. And then when Chris Paul came, he kind of cut that out. And I'm kind of glad he did because... Yeah, I was about to say, do you want eight threes? So, 
he made a couple earlier this season, but here's my thing. Un until you're 100% an elite uh, finisher at the rim and you already have everything else polished, then you could start shooting threes. I Let's let Aiden maybe get one more season of just reps at the rim and working out of the post, and then he could start shooting threes. That's just my mindset. I definitely like his touch. I definitely like, like, I think he has, you know, a lot of offensive potential. I think, you know, I mean, we saw in the second season, he averaged over 18 a game and shot, you know, like he shot way better this year, but also I'm taking a look at his shooting statistics right now. And, you know, man shot 77% at the rim, which is incredible. That's incredible. But what's also jumping out to me is that he took 117 field goal attempts from 10 to 16 feet and made over 50% of them this year. So, yeah, his mid-range game is already, for a third-year big, pretty solid. And, you know, again, I think he just has the type of touch that he could definitely develop into a second option for sure with Booker and, you know, let Chris Paul rest a little more in the regular season, save for the playoffs. I personally have, like, a developmental rule whenever I evaluate, like, talent coming out of college where if there is a player that needs to develop a jump shot, I'll determine the likelihood of them being able to determine that uh, jump shot, be it from mid-range or the perimeter, based off of how good of a free throw shooter they were in college or currently. And um, currently, like, DeAndre Ayton seems to be a pretty good free throw shooter throughout his career. So the shooting potential, in my opinion, is there based off of those parameters, about 76 to 77%. And I think once he unlocks that level of his game, you're talking about maybe a 2010 guy, possibly, in my opinion. Yeah, I like Ian, especially the fact that he started playing defense this year, because the offense, dude, you could get that from Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges could shoot the three, Cam Johnson could put the ball in the hoop. But now that Aiden has kind of taken on that, like, go bear role where he's just, he's a monster protecting the rim, that's, dude, honestly, that's, Probably the biggest reason why we made it to the finals, bro. Aiden was not a defender like this his first couple of years at all. So I think he's bought into that like defense first mentality. And that's, dude, it's hard to get players buy into that, especially a player who's in a, you know, he's trying to get paid and he will get paid obviously, but looking to score. Which takes us back to like just the NBA draft. You just never know. For one, you guys got trashed for picking Cam Johnson. Like everybody hated that pick. Like people shit on that pick so hard. And then uh, in, in college, Aiden was a terrible defender. He was one of the worst in the draft. Uh, that was the biggest thing coming out. It's like he can't play defense. And now, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, bro, and, and I love Cam Johnson, but here's where I think James Jones messed up. So we took Cam Johnson 10 to 15 spots early, right? And I, I love that pick now. But then this past draft where Halliburton was there, I think James Jones kind of was like, you know what? It worked with Cameron Johnson. I'm going to take Jalen Smith 10 to 15 spots early too. And that's where I'm kind of like, Dude, if we had Halliburton under the wing for two or three years behind Chris Paul, dude, like, I don't like to get into too much, like, oh, if we had this, if we had that, but oh my gosh, bro. So there's that, but I love the Cam Johnson. Dude, dude, to top it off, we had, we drafted Culver, we had the sixth pick, and we traded him to Minnesota for Cam Johnson and Dario Sarge. That's an amazing, that's a, 
dude, I love that. I love that so much. So that was that was really good. I love Cam Johnson. I'm really high on him. I remember Kobe White's reaction. It's like a viral yeah. like meme thing. It's like, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> no way. Yeah. No, I love I love Cam. Yeah, no, Cam. I think uh, I think he should start over Crowder next year. This, this past year, Cam was only in his second year, so obviously on a final team, it's hard to start somebody like that. But next season, definitely, I would start him over Crowder. I was just gonna say with Crowder, you know what he is. He's going to be the same yeah. thing, starting or coming off the bench. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Let, let, let's see what Cam Johnson can do in some extended minutes. Uh, uh -huh. yeah. It it's crazy because I feel like tomorrow night, like we're going to wake up to a completely different NBA. Like the rumors are currently going insane. Like all like the Thunder are dangling Shea Gilgis Alexander, apparently, to try to get the number one overall pick. Yeah, um, I mean, that's if you're not getting Cade, I wouldn't trade Gilgis Alexander. Dude, what are you doing? He's like 24. How old is he? 23, right? He's 23 years old. Like. Does that not fit your timeline, OKC? When are you trying to contend? 2040? Like, I don't get it. 23. 23? Um, right? I think yeah. Dude, yeah, I don't know. Unless, you, unless, like you said, they're trying to get the number one. If they get... What, something happened? Yo, okay, I'm sorry. I just kind of... My mind just kind of went like, boom. I just saw this report that Kyle Kuzma and the number 22 pick for Joe Ingles and the number 30 pick could be a possibility. I would be so pissed if the Lakers got Joe Ingles. Yeah, dude, Ingles is better than Kuzma. Yeah, Ingles is a solid ass piece. That I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen. Kyle yeah, Kuzma. I mean, so like, <laughs> people are so down on Kyle Kuzma. I didn't think they were gonna be this down. It's it's crazy because like. I, there's a lot of like BS sources, mind you, like a lot of like yeah. random dudes that yeah, happen sure, to get check sure. marks that, you know, pull this stuff like out of their butts. Like, but I think personally, um, the most likely thing that I think is going to happen is a trade uh, surrounding Kyle Kuzma and Buddy Heald. So that would send Kyle Kuzma to the Kings and Buddy Heald back to uh, Buddy Heald to the Lakers. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I cut you off a little, Mike. That actually came from The Athletic, so there might be a little bit of steam behind that. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it seems like the Kings really want to get rid of Bagley and Buddy. Yeah, I and and go. the Kings also had interest in Kuzma last year. Remember with the Bogdanovich rumors? So they, mm -hmm. they dude, if the Lakers were to get a bogey for Kuzma, that would have been crazy last year. I, I don't know how that was even a rumor, but uh, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would have been crazy, but no, I could see I could see the Kings going for Kuzma. What is Kuzma's contract? Like 13, 14 mil a year? Yeah. It's not a bad contract. Yeah. It's about 13 million a year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 13. And and you know, Kuzma has a right to want out of LA because, you know, at this point, he's done what he needs to do in LA. Like mission accomplished. You're like considered to be a basketball player that also happens to be an influencer at this point. Um, so you built yourself up in LA, you want a championship. Um, now you just kind of have to go to a place that would allow you to say, Hey, I deserve starter caliber money in the NBA. I'm not just a like ninth man or a 10th man or an eighth man off the bench. So I do think this makes a lot, it makes a lot of sense for him to reunite with his, or his like rookie and sophomore year head coach and Luke Walton. 
Um, it says like the most, and this is from Sam Amick of The Athletic. So this is a source I actually really like. Um, of all the scenarios for a supporting player believed to be in play, one source to, uh, close to the situation indicated the Buddy Heald deal, which would involve Kyle Kuzma, but would also require Montrez Harrell to opt into the final year of his deal, which is worth $9.7 million. And that appears to be the most promising thus far. Um, I also see that the Lakers want to move into the lottery. This is a crazy yeah, draft why? that I, I think. Like, I've seen that too. Are they trying to, like, clear up space? Are they – what are they doing? LeBron, does, LeBron doesn't LeBron does like draft picks unless if they sign with Clutch Sports, apparently. Um, right. Unless they're Shabazz <laughs> Napier. Yeah, speaking of, if Montrez opts in, uh, Clutch yeah. should just be banned from the league. Like if Montrez Harrell opts in, I, I might I might stop following basketball, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. If he opts in to be a trade piece, like just what are we doing? It says man? yeah, it says he's 50-50 right now. Like, is that that doesn't make sense? He can't get a better contract than that. He complained all season about his role with the Lakers too. Like it just him opting in makes no sense. And this is a bad free agency pool for big men. There's just not a lot of options. Yeah, I'm sure he get a yeah. better contract than that. Yeah. Um I also don't have any clue what the hell the Sacramento Kings are doing. Like, you have Marvin Bagley, but neither do they. Prefer Kyle yeah, Kuzma. they never, they never they. have. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's like, it's honestly, um, it's like the rest, the, like twenty nine teams in the NBA are being run by like actual humans, and then like the Kings are being run by like the two K auto like sim. Like, just yeah. like moves are just happening out there. People are taking advantage of them. Like. Yeah, I'm just waiting on that Fox trade request. Yeah. No, it, once they passed on Luca, that was just like the final, like, dude, what are you doing? He was a consensus number two all year, bro. Like, that was just, that was, a, dude, that was so stupid. Yeah, the Kings are, but I could see, I could see, I could see uh, Buddy Heald uh, for Kuzma swap, obviously, give or take. Um, I could see that happening, though, for sure. I think the most obviously the most likely thing that's going to happen, and I think everything the Lakers do is going to center around this, is obviously DeMar DeRozan going to L.A. Um, originally, I thought maybe he'd bring Kyle Lowry with, but whenever you're being offered like $30 million a year, you're not going to say, hey, DeMar, you're my BFF. I'm going to take like, you know, $10 million to come play with you. That just doesn't make any sense. So, but like DeMar did go on... Um, Shannon Sharp's podcast and pretty much straight up said like he acted like he was a member of the Lakers. He like was starting to talk about like chemistry with AD and LeBron and how he's supposed to make it uh, make it work. And it was it was really interesting. I've never seen a player like be so straight up about wanting to go to another team. I just saw him at a mall in L.A. like uh, two weeks ago. He was there. So he's a. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's always in L.A. like a lot of other players. But DeMar, DeMar to the Lakers is probably one of the worst-kept secrets probably since last year, honestly. He, he's always been, like, very unhappy in San Antonio ever since he got traded to San Antonio. I, I couldn't even be I, – and I think the biggest storyline that I we're all going to have to keep an eye on next year is I think Bradley Beal – isn't going to be a Washington wizard by the end of tomorrow. And, you know, by the end of today, if you're watching this podcast right now, and it will really reflect on me poorly if I'm wrong. I just don't see a scenario where if you're Bradley Beal, you could come out and say, I'm demanding a trade. 
And as a result, the Washington Wizards would say, okay, we could get set, we could get number seven, we could probably get number 14, we could get Andrew Wiggins, maybe, 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 maybe James Wiseman. I'm not really sure. Um, I think they I don't get think James the Wiseman. Golden- I, dude, I think the Warriors for Bradley Beal, I mean, you're getting a 30 point per game scorer with uh, the only problem is his contract. That's his only, that's the only problem though. That's the thing. Like with Bradley Beal, he expires next year. So if, you know, what happens if you trade for him and he just it doesn't work out? Did you see that Bradley I mean, Beal may want to play with uh, Jason Tatum? Oh yeah, because they're both from. Uh, oh wait, 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 no, wait, I, wait, yeah, I forgot. They love each other. Yeah, their sons yeah. are like best friends, dude. Did you see Jason Tatum? Jason Tatum's son is about to be like a seven foot one, like small forward. <laughs> like, dude, this kid is massive for a three year old. His son's like freaking. I don't want to say my height. I don't want to downplay my own height. I'm 5'10", you know, but... Um, hey, I'm 5'9". <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Well, it sounds, it sounds like <laughs> everyone's height here, basically, but Coop. What's that supposed to mean? You're like 6'8". Hey, man. How tall are you? He's literally like 6'8". Yeah, I'm like 6'8". Really? Yeah, six, yeah six, we're just sitting oh. down, so you can't see. Yeah, you oh, can't tell yeah. from the view, but, like, I- I'm a bucket, bro. You know. Hey... If the Suns, yo, I've been balling lately, Coop. I'm yo, I'm wait, yo, that pick yo, and roll duo. I'm telling you, yo, tell tell Book, man, contact me, bro. I'm ready whenever. I'm ready, bro. Uh, the corner. Oh they already got Crowder, Cam, Mikhail, bro. If you oh, you're right. Backup right. center. Ah, backup center. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. You trying to put me on Giannis, bro? Nah, I'm good. Oh my god. <laughs> yo. Wait, so Brandon, so you play basketball, right? I was watching. I was watching your um your men's league highlights the other day. I love basketball, bro. I love playing. You, so you play um, still all the time? Yeah. I don't really play in a men's league maybe once a week, but I just play pickup. I don't play nothing serious. Where do you play pickup at? All- oh, you play LA with people Fitness. you know? LA Fitness. Okay, I got a question for you. Have you noticed yeah. an uptick in trash talk in, in recent hooping sessions, like this past year or oh, past damn, two years? Damn, was ready for this. No, nah, yeah. It's- so uh, for me, like um, – in, in like the the least cockiest way, but I live in San Diego, not LA, so there isn't too many like bigger influencers here. So everybody knows who I am when I go to the gym. People do trash talk a lot, but I don't know if that's more so just because they do always bring up like YouTube and stuff like that. So I think that's just it just comes with it, you know what I mean? So um, I, I can't answer if that's just random trash talk. But it seems to happen almost every time I play, so I doubt it's random. But I don't, I don't, I don't care, bro. It's it comes with it, you know. No, I mean I'm I'm showing up to open runs where there's people age 16 to 40, like all different types of uh, ages, races, whatever. So no, you don't know anybody that I don't. You can't take anything to heart, bro. Like I'm showing up to a public open gym with a bunch of different people. So I just whatever i dude i there's a lot of times where like my brother's like oh come to the mama sports academy or oh let's go rent a gym and play private but i don't dude i like to keep like a normalcy in my life just to keep me like level-headed and that's also why i don't think i would ever move to la i don't want to like i don't want to lose touch with like reality like like for example like i'll still go out with all my friends and we'll go eat at like chilies or applebee's and or like like for example i still live in the same like the same house and 
like i don't know i don't want to just start doing stuff like um you know what i mean you guys get what i'm trying, nah, to, say. Dude, I'm trying to keep I, like, dude trust trust me i definitely feel you because like you know like when I got over a million subscribers and everything, like, you know, everyone was like, move to LA, move to LA, move to LA. And like, if I did move to LA, I probably would have gotten like, you know, more opportunities career wise. But like, you know, I'm engaged now, you know, I've got like, you know, my family all here. Like, I'm very happy I stayed in New Jersey and New York's right here. So hopefully, you know, I get opportunities there, but definitely I was like the same kind of way. I was like, I don't really want to go to LA because like, just, just, I don't know. Like I've been there. Like I've of course been there for like, you know, YouTube stuff. And like, you know, I've been to like 2K events, like NBA live events, stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, people are a little different in a way that I don't really love. Yeah, bro. Like I get texts, like obviously I won't say the names, but like from certain influencers all the time, like, oh dude, come pull up. We got this, this and that. And this person's here. And I'm like, bro, like that shit doesn't impress me. Like, like you know what i mean i'd rather play in the same men's league that i've been playing at since way before i started youtube and i'd rather go out to eat at the same spot that me and my boys have been eating at since we were little kids and just i don't know it, it could i have been grown a little bit bigger and been a bigger influencer out in la and doing like you know parties and all that stuff yeah but it comes down to your own happiness if we're being honest and like i'm just happy here i'm chilling i'm doing my own thing and just yeah you know what i mean especially on youtube back. especially on youtube like having that balance um you know with, with youtube i don't know i don't know about um you but it's not like you have like that many co-workers so you have to make sure like your mental is good at all time that you you know you're staying grounded that you're balanced yeah because you're you're your whole business you're your whole career like good than your business your career like it's you got to make sure you're good so yeah i mean we're getting a little off topic but yeah that that brings me to my point i go i play a lot of basketball and uh it's just kind of like dude i'm i'm literally filming i upload like three four times a week like i'm filming all the time so basketball with my boys is just kind of like when i'm playing basketball i'm not thinking anything youtube i'm not checking my phone checking my instagram youtube it's just kind of like the escape you know what i mean so uh, what do you do to keep from getting like burnt out uh, from uh, YouTube because it can be demanding. I, I don't think a lot of people understand uh, how hard, like, I don't want to say staying relevant is because that just, that sounds nasty, but, you know, uh, maintaining your view count and, you know, your uh, your livelihood is dependent on, you know, if people fuck with you or not. And uh, yeah, and it can change on a video to video basis, you know? Yeah, dude, I think like, not getting burnt out is like the toughest thing because um so i've been doing this is my sixth year doing youtube and my first three years i was daily uploading i was just on the mindset of like quality over quantity and just try to get my name out there that was like the first three years and then like for the last two years i started doing five times a week which is still a bunch and then now for like the last year, I started doing every other day. Um, over the last month or two, it's been inconsistent because I've been traveling from Phoenix to Milwaukee to LA to Denver to go to all these games. But I do every other day. So now I'm at a point where like, dude, the whole burnt out is like, it's real. It's becoming real. I'm like, dude, I like, yeah, that's the toughest part. I guess it's just, 
I don't know, bro. It's, I wish I had an answer as to how to like stay away from getting burnt out, but I'm actually in a situation right now where I feel myself getting burnt out. So maybe it's better for me to ask you guys, how do I not get burnt out? Because I do a lot of it myself. Um, I film my own videos. I don't have a cameraman, and I edit my own because uh, I like to keep it raw. Um, I feel like it makes the fans feel more involved in my life as opposed to a bunch of crazy edits. That makes it feel more like a TV show, cartoon, movie. But if I'm just holding the camera myself, first person, and I'm just leaving it more so raw, I feel like the fans are really like, they feel more like your friend as opposed to like, I'm a fanboy to this celebrity. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely out just because of, I don't have a creative team that shoots me video ideas. I think of all that on my own too. So I, I'm asking you guys, how do I not get burnt out? Because I know Mike and... Uh, I'm not sure how long you guys have been doing YouTube. If you guys could tell me as well, Coop and Mike. But I know Mike uh, Krasemba, you've been doing it for a while. What about you guys, Coop, Mike? Uh, Flight Mike. Um, so I actually, um, I've been doing YouTube, what year are we, for about 12 years. Um, and it started, it, it like, yeah, before it was monetizable, I was like in high school. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. But yeah, you just dude. literally said, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out. What the Oh, what the okay. 12 years. We were in a what pandemic. The, what the we hell? We were in a no, pandemic. No. I mean, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I was, um, I was doing, um, like, these little mixes um, for, like, wrestling videos when I was, like, a sophomore in high school. And then eventually I kind of was, like, uh, it was when I wasn't watching as much basketball. I kind of like fell out of love with basketball for like a year, just trying different things. Then in my junior year, um, I kind of like loved basketball again. Um, I think it's because we I think it's because we acquired Pal Gasol by then. Um, so like I was watching games a little bit more and I went and bought NBA 2K10. And that's how I met Coop. Um, we met on a forum and my man over here taught me Wait, what for? Everything, form? how to capture yeah, a game. We met on the 2K uh, forums. NBA 2K. Yeah, really? so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I, pro I probably, I was probably posting on there back then. So my man, like, recruits me to his crew, says we're going to, like, you know, post our gameplay on um, uh, onto YouTube. I thought that was so cool. Like, this is when I first watched Chris move. He was the only one doing it. So I'm like, this guy is so cool. Um and I was doing 2K videos for like five years, um, six years. And then I took a break for like a year or two to pursue dental school. And then I dropped out of dental school and did just basketball videos and football videos and whatnot. And it's like heated up from like 20, like 2019 is when things started picking up. And I was like so thankful because like you could imagine if you're grinding towards something for like a decade, you know, and it's something you really, really want. And your friends are telling you, like, you're an idiot. You're delusional. How are you dropping out of dental school to pursue this pipe dream? And I'm like, I'm like, nah, man, like, I know if I just if I just like change one thing, everything will click. Um, and it it popped off. And like when you have this, like when you when you've been chasing something for like a decade and then you finally get it, um, there's just just there's this like drive to make sure you don't lose it. Make sure the content's like pristine. Make sure you do everything. Make sure you make every good video that comes to your head. Eventually, like I expanded to football. So now I'm pumping out like three videos a day now. Um, 
uh, so to, without getting too off topic, I, I know you didn't ask for my entire YouTube story. Um, the, I try to get like a form of exercise in every day, at least three days where I'm doing cardio, four days where I'm doing lifting and two days where I'm doing yoga. Um, I try to hit a sauna or a steam room like four to five times a week. And then I, I drink a lot of caffeine. I don't know if you guys were watching uh, watching me throughout this entire podcast. So I try to like take one week tolerance breaks from time to time and really make sure I get like good sleep for those weeks. And during those weeks, I start like getting anxious because like I haven't made vid a video in a minute. So I'm like, ah, like I want to make videos again. And then after a week, like the burnout's gone. Yeah, I'm. Um yeah, I definitely think exercise is the number one thing for any for any real success for at least for myself, for sure, mentally. Like if I'm exercising, for, if I'm waking up, you know, going to the gym, doing my thing, like, you know, I'm always going to be in a good headspace. But, you know, I like two years ago, I um, took I was just like way like overwhelmed with YouTube and took ended up taking like a two and like a half month break where I was just like, all right, like I just like am just, I've been doing this like uploading, like, cause like every single video I, you know, writing three page scripts and, you know, doing this and pumping out content where it's like, it always just like, I mean, like I, you know, I love to do it, but like at the same time, like sometimes it definitely feels like, you know, you're writing like a school paper that never ends, you know, like I keep writing the same, like a different paper. And so and so like I ended up literally going to like I went to, um, you know, I went to, to Santa Monica for like seven to 10 days and was hanging out with friends there. And then I went to Hawaii for a week and then I came back and continue making content ever since. So let me ask you this, because uh, I told myself that I was going to take a break. Uh, I got this was maybe like a couple months ago. I just was hella burnt out and just like a couple of extra things were going on in my life as well that I was like, dude, I can't focus on like making videos because I'm just like faking this like, yo, what's up, guys? Like, yeah, happy. So I'm like, let me just take a little break and then come back. And then, dude, maybe like three days into the break, because I've never take I've never not posted for three days straight in six years. So three days in, dude, I started just getting this like anxiety i'm like dude what if like i take like a two or three week break and then no one just watches my videos after that and i come back and i'm just irrelevant and i started just getting like whatever so i ended up taking like a five-day break and i came back and i've been posting ever since so how did you go from posting consistently to comfortably taking a two and a half month break without like just overthinking everything like oh what if i come back and no one walks with me no more what if i i just took the break and it just ruined like like i don't know like that so i i took my break but it wasn't an enjoyable like i was just stressing the whole time i kind of just accepted that like you know i already that like i was going to come back and like the views were going to be down but like that like i like believed in myself enough where they were going to come back and like you know like it was you know fine um when when i came back like there was like you know at first it was like uh you know like somewhat down but then you know came back and you know uh, NBA has been up and down, you know, COVID didn't help at all with NBA, but, um, you know, right before, right before COVID hit, like the, like my channel had like, you know, started like crushing it. So, um, I think it was just like this whole thing where I was like, I just kind of just need this where like, if I don't take this break, like I'm just going to go insane. And like, I just thought like long-term, 
like for my own like mental health and like for just you know all of that going forward like i thought like it was prioritizing that was the right move at the time and like you know luckily as a youtuber you know I, you're able to do that you're not you're not in a normal job where they just be like you can't just take like a month and a half two months off or whatever however long i took so you know i did that and then like yeah like there's definitely you know worries and stuff i had to like uh like cancel or postpone a ton of ad deals which was like you know very stressful but um uh you know it just like i just kind of just was like you know i need this and then just i embraced it you know i didn't like half like go okay like you know oh or maybe i'll come back like i was like you know like i planned a day when i was gonna come back and like i was moving into a new house and i was like i'm gonna come back this day like this is when i'm gonna start making content again and so you know like i just pushed it off like i would think of ideas you know i still would always you know think of ideas of what i wanted to make and everything but like i just wouldn't i just really didn't do any like actual writing or any you know research or anything and i was just like i'm just gonna enjoy this and then i was like because i know i'm not gonna have another one for a good amount of time you know but okay. um yeah so that's what i did coop what about you how long have you been doing this yeah man um so for me like my form of like therapy for for like this youtube stuff is just like getting out being active finding things to like just really look forward to um spending time with family friends you know um just a, a large part of also like not taking things for granted um so i recently ruptured my achilles playing at la fitness like a month ago so things have kind of been tough for me since i don't have like that outlet anymore like basketball was my outlet like that's what i looked forward to every week you know i'd go hoop every wednesday or thursday with my friends and i don't have that anymore so it's kind of been like a tough little uh uh adjustment process for me so this conversation that we're having right now is actually like super super clutch hey, yeah yeah uh-huh yeah no i feel it with the yeah i know because when i go like even when i hang out with family or if i have some friends over at the house I still have access to my phone and laptop, so still in the back of my head is like YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, when I'm for at the sure, gym, for sure. Looking yeah, at numbers you're all the time. Yeah, man. And like, yeah. dude, it sucks because like if you're if like you post a video and it just doesn't do as well as you wanted it to, oh, or man. it's not doing well. Like it just every single time, yeah, ten out of ten, like will that's ruin a day your down day the toilet, yeah. Time. Yeah. Like it just time. will make you just feel bad every time, and a one out of ten will make you feel great. And it's like, yeah. these, it shouldn't affect you at all, honestly, but it just does. Like, Yeah. My girlfriend the now, go ahead, Coop. I was just going to say my girlfriend um saw the little YouTube studio app on the phone. And she's like, does that 10 out of 10 mean it's good? And I was like, no, that's that's bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's my, kind yeah, of mean. Angela, <laughs> she didn't know what that meant either. She was, she didn't, like, she was like, she thought it was like compared against other videos or something. <laughs> And yeah. I was like, no, this means that this is the worst video I've posted out of the last yeah. 10. Now, um, yeah. now, go ahead, Mike. Um, now, I was just going to say it's crazy how that app really knows how to mess with your psychology because, like, you know, thankfully, like, and I just realized this recently, like, a 10 out of 10 for me, like, now is like what a one out of 10 would have been for me like a year and a half ago. But like you see those down arrows and you see like YouTube saying fewer people are watching this as usual. And you're like, the note that they leave fewer subscribers are watching your video. I'm like, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. I noticed. And they go into detail too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice. Thanks, by the way. I actually think that 
a lot of people sleep on how big YouTube is becoming. I think that, um, you know, uh, there's just going to be a user increase year after year after year, especially as more people become um, more used to technology and, you know, more people have kids. Uh, you know, I don't know if YouTube is like destroying Netflix and Hulu and all that. I don't I don't have the numbers. But for me, like when I'm going to sleep, YouTube is my source of entertainment. You know, like I'm on, I'm on YouTube. YouTube all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Dude, YouTube's uh, a, it's I, like I guess it's like an addiction, honestly, literally. Like, I mean, like yeah, everything yeah. that we just described is not great. Like ruining I mean, yeah. your me like mental state. Yeah, that's what I want to say. We post a video and we get like a ten of ten. Uh, for everybody out there watching, a ten of ten means it's pretty much a, your worst performing video out of the last ten you've uploaded. Um, and it our day. It puts us in a bad mood. But then you. Like, it shouldn't do that because you look at the bigger picture and you're like, dude, this is one video out of thousands that we've uploaded. We're lucky enough to even be in a position that, you know, our mood gets killed just because of one little video. We're, like, we shouldn't, but it, it's just, it's like, a, it's like a habit. Like, you see your video not perform well and you know, maybe the fans don't, but you know in the back of your head how hard you worked on that video. So it just kills your mood. But yeah, I definitely plan on uploading a little bit less. Um... But back to you, Coop, that's what kills me the most is sometimes I'll post a video where in the back of my head, I'm like, dude, this is kind of a whack video. Like, I didn't really work hard on it. And it's not that entertaining. And it'll blow up because, like, the title and thumbnails. And then I'll post a video that I spent freaking days and days on. And all the feedback is good. We love this video. This is your best video ever. down. And I'm like, that's what numbers can't let numbers like get in our head too much but then again it's our career it's 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 literally how how we make a living is all because of numbers um so it's hard not to let it get in your head but that's that's just what it is you know what i mean that's that's the path career path that we're in so i i also think like um backpacking off of a little bit of what you said and what coop said i think gratitude's really important here um, I know Coop and I, especially in our stories, like we were both in school for something we really didn't want to do. We were about to turn our backs on this YouTube dream. So whenever I see like a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10, my brother currently is in medical school. And like he comes to me and he's like, you're so lucky. And I'm like, dude, like what if I fall off? You know, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year from now, two years from now. I could be irrelevant in three years. You know, like in my culture, like most people don't know what a YouTuber is. So like a lot of people like kind of look at me as the equivalent of a uh, low income artist, you know, so like um, what really what it also what it boils down to is when I do get those 10 out of 10s, I sit back and I think like, OK, you know, I may like I have like tactics to make myself feel better. Not saying that I'm 100% financially driven, but like I look at the video statistics. I look at like the ad revenue it pulled and then I compare that to like the hourly wage I would have made as a dentist, you know, and then I compare how much happier I am doing what I do now to what I would have been doing if I was not here. And that tends to help me out a lot because if you compare your 10 out of 10s and your like worst content, even if you poured your heart and soul into them, thankfully, at least for now, um, it appears as though like you were, you still would be doing better making those 10 out of 10s as opposed to like working a job that you would hate. And I think like it's very, very, very rare 
to just find something that you love, to get paid for making basketball analysis or football analysis, or in your case, making basketball videos or vlogs. So at the end of the day, I think gratitude is super important. Yes. I agree. All right. Appreciate you guys for coming out. Huge shout out to Brandon for being our first official guest on the Laced Up podcast. Guys, be sure to check us out on Apple and Spotify. The links will be in the description below. Also, subscribe if you haven't already. I'm Get Like Coop. Laced Up. We're out. Peace.